0: Everyone, Before we jump right into our interview with the Brahm Res Daslan, uh we wanted to give everyone a quick update about stuff that happened at May Day, also known as International Workers' Day here in San Diego in historic Chicano Park. Uh, during that day We there was a attempted attack by the Proud Boys, who are a fascist right wing group who tried to infiltrate the park and just cause a disturbance and escalation supported by the San Diego Police Department. Uh, The Brown Berets, along with Union del Barrio and the Party for Socialism and Liberation, along with a lot of community support. uh, Everyone from youth to Abuelitas came out to support. We're able to repel this attack, uh, which just brings it even more poignant and like and relevant to the interview that we did with the Brown Brez Daslan and the unit commander uh there for the park. About the need and the, and the, and the necessity of these self defense groups and the ability for groups to come together across tendencies to defend our public spaces uh, against fascist attack. So, I hope that you enjoy this interview that we have with the Brambres d'Aslan, and especially given its just recent relevancy with the defense of Chicano Park again for the like, most latest and uh, not the first or last time. I hope you enjoy this interview with the unit commander from the Brambres d'Aslan. <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant,
1: brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. The Brown Berets is an organization can trace the origins back to East Los Angeles in the late 1960s at the height of the Chicano civil rights movement. At the time, many young Chicanos were struggling to make sense of their own cultural identity and were faced with daily acts of discrimination and even violence. Founded by David Sanchez in the wake of the 1968 East LA student walkouts, the Brown Berets were formed with the attention to help the Chicano community, specifically organizing against police brutality, inadequate public schools, farm worker struggles, as well as anti-war activism. And since their founding, numerous autonomous chapters have sprung up across the United States. The National Brown Berets de Aslan in Barrio Logan were one of several autonomous chapters founded during the 1970s and remains one of the most prominent and active chapters operating in the country today. For close to 50 years, the Brown Berets de Aslan have been defenders of the barrio and vanguards of Chicano Park. It's no coincidence that the history and politics of the Brown Berets can be seen across the walls of Chicano Park adorned a myriad of murals painted throughout the years. In April of 1970, alongside a coalition of students, community activists, barrio residents, and others from nearby communities, through militant force and occupation, the Brown Berets Yaslan helped liberate the land that would eventually become Chicano Park. After a 12-day occupation, the eventual liberation of Chicano Park was not only a defining moment in Chicano history in the city of San Diego, It was also a defining moment that helped cement the Brown Berets as the paramilitary arm of the Chicano power movement throughout the rest of the 1970s. Now, almost 50 years later, Chicano Park is not only a monument to Chicano empowerment and self-determination, it has served as the home base for the Brown Berets de Aslan. For today's very special episode of Step Off Radio, we had the pleasure of interviewing members of the Brown Berets de Aslan, recorded right in the heart of Barrio Logan's historic Chicano Park. We spoke with Unit Commander Eddie Alvarez, Officer of Aslan Desiree McFadden, and Officer of Aslan Mike Gack. We had a chance to discuss the origins of the Brown Berets de Aslan, the role that the Berets played in the founding of Chicano Park, the dedication to the defense and advancement of Barrio Logan and Chicano people. The berets work within the community that they are helping address, as well as what the future holds for the National Brown Berets Yslan. We want to remind listeners that the interview was recorded at Chicano Park. The sounds and noises that you hear in the background are the sounds of community. With that said, we here at Step Off Radio are proud to present our interview with the National Brown Berets Yslan. <laughs> All right, internets. Today we got a very special show for y'all. Today we're recording here from the Hollow Grounds, Chicano Park itself, in a rare interview with a Brown Brazy Islan. Uh, thank you for taking the time to sit down with us. Uh, take a moment to say your name and introduce, us, introduce yourself to our listeners. Hello, I'm the unit commander of San Diego, Eddie Alvarez,
2: and I've been a unit commander so far for a year now. But before I was a youth sergeant and I'm just you know, here to serve my people and do what I can for the movement, for the cause, whatever needs to be done. And it's, it's a big responsibility to, 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 to have that position, but my position is only a position. The way it works is that I'm just a main rep. When it comes to the movement, we all, all our thoughts and minds
1: count. Like that so for our listeners out there who might be unaware of the organization's legacy, give us a brief history of the Brown Berets. Uh, how did the organization come about here in San Diego? And uh, what is your guys' overall mission? How is, what does the organization stand for? And you know, really tell us, who are the Brown Berets? Well, the Brown Berets' origin started in East
2: Los, Angeles, L.A., where it was founded upon during the New Vietnam War. And during the Vietnam War, a lot of Chicanos were drafted, a lot of brothers... And when they came back home, they found out that war wasn't based off peace and humanity. It was based off drugs and resources that they could pull from another homeland. Mm-hmm. And so when we came back, all those promises of equality, papers, citizenship, equal rights, jobs, it was put to the side. So they saw us as working class. Mm-hmm. And so with that issue taking place within the lack of jobs, education, and opportunity within the communities, throughout all Aslan and Aslan is the northern part of Mexico that was stolen from us Mm -hmm. by our people and that's what started off the spark. Now here in San Diego we heard about the the formation of the the La Causa Berets and we formated our Brown Berets, the San Diego Brown Berets and our our mission is to reclaim our history, to teach our history and to correct what's been taught to us Mm -hmm and show, you know, as Chicanos, there's a way of life, a way of living. And there's also a way of thinking. And with that comes with open-minded, not being closed-minded to what's been taught to you. And and so here in San Diego, our main objective was to teach the masses of the people who they were, what they represent, where they come from. And not only that, to be proud of it if this nation is about being proud of where you come from then be proud of that and if this nation's so hard putting you down because of that well then something needs to be corrected yeah and so that's where we saw our mission as a cautiousness for the people but also to awareness that this is our land mm-hmm. and it was stolen from us yeah one day one way or another we're gonna take it back yeah Forcefully, legally it doesn't matter it's stolen from us we're one with the land And that was our mission: is to bring up the La Casa awareness of this is stolen land. We were born here. We were here first. We weren't the only ones here first. There were many nations and tribes that were here as well. Yeah. Yeah. But we're treated as second-class citizens in our own homeland. Yeah. yeah, As foreigners. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's where the discussions and the political awareness were put into a spiritual poem, ideas, and thoughts of what was Aslan. What did it represent? Who was I? Like the the Corky Gonzalez poem, I am Joaquin. And in that poem, he's identifying himself as a as a warrior, a warrior of Aslan. And with that spiritual connection, we are warriors of Aslan, whether mm-hmm. we're open to it or not. And that's where the discussions of police brutality, the lack of jobs, how we've been treated at the border the 500 years of oppression that's still being counted to this day. Mm -hmm. And so I guess that that would sum up the mission is is liberating our minds, our people, who we are, our land, and taking it back. Taking it back for a better. Mm -hmm. Not taking it back because we want to be closed-minded and shift everyone else home. We can't do that. We don't want to do that. We believe... Unity and solidarity. Yeah. But we also believe too we want to be recognized for who we are, what we are. Yeah. And not as subhuman beings. Yeah. Yeah. Self-determination. And specifically
0: you bring up uh, the, the, the issue of land, about reclaiming land and, and taking back land. And that's perfectly like a, a perfect kind of transition to the question I have, uh seeing as how we're sitting right here in historic Chicago Park, right? Uh, specifically yeah the Berets have had a very important role here in Chicano Park and as caretakers and defenders of this park. So I just wanted to ask you all, right, as defenders of this park, as people who have grown up in this area, who, uh, how do you, what does the park mean to you and to the Berets as an organization, like, right? Like, you're out here doing community cleanup today, but uh, what does this park mean to you?
2: I would say it means a lot. Coming from uh, a second, third generation of, of Chicanos here in San Diego, a lot because this right here what we stand on believe it or not is liberated land yes
1: and absolutely. it was taken
2: by the blood and sweat and tears mm-hmm. of our community members throughout San Diego oh, yeah. Logan Heights Sherman Shouttown and many other communities that were down to do the cause and you know knowing for the fact that this was supposed to be another police station a highway control station for the city even though we have one in every neighborhood what would it be what would be the purpose of having another one? And with all these junkyards moving in and pushing our neighborhood out as downtown and still to this day is getting closer. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's that's what this park means to me is that if the people can gather up in masses and take a piece of land because they believe it was stolen land from the beginning then this shows that this is a very start of a new beginning. Even though 50 years getting to that point where 50 years are going to pass by. We're on our 49th year this year. Oh, yeah. That means it can still be done. It's just that we have to be willing to do it for a further cause. So when I see this park, it is a prime example of liberated land. Mm-hmm. And knowing the fact that the, all the souls and spirits that are still here in this park, because they put their blood and sweat and tears to it, I feel that connection. Just like as we hear the drums in the background, the Aztec dancers and the ceremony of blessing our creators, that you can't find that anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah, you can go to other places and see the powwows and whatnot. But for them to be performing on sacred land that still has that vibe of indigenous roots, yeah. you can't find that anywhere else. But doesn't mean it's not everywhere else. It just has to be reconnected with the people. Oh, yeah. So this park is run by the people Even though it's considered a federal landmark And the only reason Why it was done that So it could be protected But either way in our eyes of the Brown Berets This is still our park Yeah. And this is not our federal national treasure yeah. This is a national treasure to the Chicano Movimento and our people Right. So you know, regardless of the politics Of what's being said on the newspapers And what's being said on media That's not what we agree upon I was at City Council, where the City Council
0: was, you know, every all the City Council people were like, "Oh, we're so proud to sign off on, on the how great of a landmark the the, the, the park is, and all this good stuff that the community gets from it." Uh, when 50 years ago, like that same uh, that, that same institution probably would have been one of this this park's greatest oppressors, yeah. and. Uh, as a testament right to like you know people would say like what's uh you know the value of taking land taking our land back it's like okay from that small that relatively small park from the get-go there's a museum there's like a kiosk like the kiosk there's there's a community center right and that's i think was a testament to exactly uh like why it's important to what the brown berets does it's awesome i love what you said yeah.
1: now back in the 60s and the 70s chicanos were being pushed to assimilate um, they were also making sense of their own cultural identity and were faced with daily acts of discrimination. Uh, it seems today that in both those regards, you can switch out 2019 for 1969. Uh, how relevant are groups like the Brown Berets in regards to the modern day contemporary struggle of Chicanos? How do you guys feel? Do you relate to the modern day struggles that Chicanos face? It's still the same. The only difference is it's evolved to
2: modern ideals. Mm-hmm. And even though they say racism has died, it hasn't died. Yep. Even though they say brutality is not a big issue anymore, it is a big issue. Oh, yeah. It's not yes. being spoken of anymore. And just because we don't hear it or see it through the media doesn't mean it's not going on. You know, there's a lot of things that go on here at this park where we're facing every day. Police brutality is a big issue. Mm-hmm. You know, you come here with a group of friends and there's only three of you. You're considered a gang gang unit. Why is that? Because they that's how they make their money, just stereotyping people. Yep. So... But those issues that we faced back then and now it's 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 very big similar contents of what what the problem was back then and what is the problem now yeah and and saying that shows that it doesn't matter if a hundred years pass by if things are still the same and the only difference is the way we wear our clothes the way we talk things are still the same it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. I like that's almost like gentrifying yourself and your ideals and saying, oh yeah, things have changed just because we changed our looks. Yeah. You know, back then he used to say, we used to hide in the, in the shade because we didn't want to look so dark. Yeah. We used to blonde our hair, I mean, bleach our hair to look blonde just so we can fit in. And still to this day, I see young chicanas, I see young homeboys still trying to do that. Yeah. They're trying to fit in. Yeah. But why is it they're trying to fit in when they're already somebody? they just need to be recognized by them, and so when we deal with those issues it's it, it still goes back to identity crisis yeah, yeah. we still haven't figured out who we are and that's only because our oppressors have somehow ripped the, the path and guidelines that we had in the educational systems once again that we fought for in the 60s and it, it feels to me since no one's speaking about it no more they're kind of brushing it off the table like it never happened yeah, yeah. and here we go again history repeating itself right 50 years later mm-hmm. it's the dispossession
0: of our people again right is that they yep. dispossessed us of our land and our culture you know hundreds of years ago and then they're trying to do it uh in this kind of movement with gentrification to take away the culture they like they like certain elements of it, the food the images but they just don't like us and there lies like you know the real power of the econ- economy in this kind of situation where they're like it's uh these forces of uh, of gentrification are like these big capitalists it's wild uh but anyways like now to kind of pivot right away from uh kind of who we are and what we're doing uh to something that happened last year right uh, specifically community defense so people that have listened to the podcast will know that we've talked about patriot picnic before right those that group of right wing uh just uh fascists and terrorists that came and tried to cause trouble out here every so often, and. Uh, we just want to know like your opinion on the kind of model that happened in Chicano Park that day of community organizations coming together, standing strong, right next to like people's grandmothers and like little kids and stuff like that. What is your opinion on that kind of model of community defense? Do you think that's something that we should like model all of our community defense after? Is what happened here last year in February?
2: I, I think it's much needed everywhere. It's much needed everywhere that day not only show the unity of Chicanos, they show the unity between other organizations, other standpoints of, of liberation, socialism, and fighting oppression. And and that's something that I guess that's been in the talk for words and words about solidarity, unity. How did we show that? That day we showed that. Not may all of us have been on the same page, even to this day, some of us have broken off from that day, but it showed when people put their differences aside, Come together to defend something that's right. It could be done anywhere. Oh yeah. And it should be done like that in every community park. Communities should have a say. So what goes on? What's being put up? Who's being patrolling? Who's patrolling their neighborhoods? And and it's simple as that. We should have control of what goes on where we live. And if we don't, why are we living here? Right. Yeah. Why, why are we here? Right. And that's why that day we show why we're here we're here because we're connected to this land. You're not gonna wipe us off. You tried that 500 years ago, we're still here. And so that, that right there, February 3rd, is a prime example that people can put their difference to sides if they do it. Yeah, yeah. But if they talk about it and don't do it, then what's the whole point of talking about? And so we did that, you know, it, it brought a lot of joy, and fulfillment of knowing the fact that we have backup, not only as around the as Chicanos, but within other organizations and clashes of, of different of, um, diversities, and races, and oppressions. Yeah, right.
0: Exactly that, right? And it's like the solidarity and the intersectionality of our struggles, right? That brought out all these different groups, right? Like we saw, and we've talked about them in the past. Uh, but, like, all of that, like, we see it even just, like, more recently, because we saw the Brown Berets' role in, like, the March for Black Women, right, uh, that just happened down in the southeast not that long ago, and the intersectionality of that struggle, specifically, like, a supporting women of color, black women in particular, uh, you know, how important it was. So, I mean forward like obviously like the role of community organizing like that and, and bringing in the ability to bring out people's you know moms grandmas you know el- elders and, ch- and children uh do you think that's important for building an eventual revolution is that what
2: you think needs to happen like a revolution yes, yes of even. course especially when it when it comes to our elders and whatnot a lot of people forget in the mexican revolution there the error of the abuelitas you know our grandmothers used to load our rifles beat our men clothe them wash them it's because every person had a role to the youngest to the eldest now that role determines where you stand as revolutionary if you were good at loading weapons you're sent to loading weapons if you were good at making the food you're sent to making the food if you're good at making the clothing you're sent to making the clothing everybody has a part yeah. you know it doesn't have to be physical all the time so that day even when we had our elders here they, they they brought that connection of a spirituality and discipline and also love and peace. And that re- reconnected it of what we represent. And seeing all our, all our family out there standing with us shows that, you know, we're not blinded or closed-minded. Yeah. If we all are here standing here from babies to elderly, then there's a bigger picture there. Yeah. It's not like we're seeing a bunch of young radicals or activists being fools. We're seeing family members, cousins, people from out of town, out of state, coming here to defend this park for one reason only. Because they believe it was the right thing to do. And that's how it's always been in the revolution. Without the revolution, there's nothing. And without the people, there is no revolution. So that's the only way a revolution works, if the people have your back. Yeah. yeah, and it's absolutely. not, you know, and honestly,
0: no revolution is revolutionary if it's not accessible to the people, right? Exactly. And that's like exactly what we're trying to make this, you know, revolution accessible to our people.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. yeah. I think the, the family question is a pretty significant one for the Berets because, uh, you know, how stringent we are, you know, a lot of us are family in some way, you know cousins, some second cousin. So, for us it's like a, it's, a, it's a family affair, not just theoretically, but, but literal, literally, literally literal. Yeah. You know, and that's that's one of the reasons I think why we've been able to not go through some of the bends that a lot of or, or, other organizations go through. You know, we we go through shit, but amongst us amongst each other, right? It's not like some of the drama you see in just about every other organization. You
0: know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. We don't we don't need any internet drama in our organizing, yeah, exactly. right? Like as members of organizations, like I could definitely uh, second that. That like keeping a disciplined uh, outlook on organizing is what's going to build our build our movement and help us like actually liberate our people. Uh, knowing when and how to talk to each other.
4: We need to educate our children. systems are not going to educate them about our chicano history our indigenous history so it's up to us as parents or niece nephews whatever you are to your kids in your life to educate them now so they know the truth because the system's not going to teach them the truth they're going to teach them their ideals
1: yeah yeah absolutely
4: those are our future those are our future soldados right that's right
3: family's a continuum too throughout the struggle you know like we mentioned earlier Our elders are the ones that were, you know, started, but we're the ones continuing it. And now we've got kids coming up in it. You know what I mean? So we look at not just, you know, the the physical relations, but the physical connections in the land too. You know, because most of us have connections to this land right here, you know what I mean? That go back generations and go forward generations. So, you know, for for us, we look at it like, uh, you know, that family connection to the land (laughs) is what gives us legitimacy a lot of times to continue the struggle and to be here doing this struggle. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and that was something that I talked to a lot of families out in National City, right, about when we were doing the housing uh, campaign for rent control out there. And, you know, the fact is that a lot of these communities, right, where our people live, were, like, areas that they were, like, forced to settle, right? Like that we were like given and then we made them our own, right? And now they're like we talked about a little earlier, they're trying to dispossess us of, the, of all these areas yeah. that we have made our own. Yeah. yeah, and try to gentrify them for profit, for the profit of a certain particular segment of society. And it's organizations like the Brown Berets, it's grassroots organizations that we're seeing uh, that are defending these communities, uh, not only because of the, the hard work that's been put before, like you mentioned, like the elders that have laid this work and built these communities, often against like racism, you know, the, the, the literal state apparatus of fascism, But for the future generations, because I know people got kids, like I know that we're talking, you know, there's little kids running around this park. People are getting ready for Chicano Park Day, the 49th, you know, Chicano Park Day. Um, You know, this area is alive with the history, the
2: living history of our people. And it's beautiful to see. And uh, One more comment on that part. As a a Brownberry organization, we like to tell people not only do we see ourselves as organizers, we see ourselves as family. Mm -hmm. If one of our brothers is going to drown in the water, we're going to drown with him and pull him out of that water. That's how we see each other. We got to have each other's back. This is all we got, is each other. And if we don't got each other's back, well, I don't see how this is going to push forward. Yeah. You know, we're going to end up getting into long arguments and discussions of who's correct and who's doing what right. And it doesn't work that way. You know, each an individual has a brace believe it or not we have our own beliefs on religion we have our own beliefs on other things but when it comes to being a beret we put that all to the side for a bigger cause mm-hmm. the main goal liberating
1: ourselves and our minds absolutely yeah now this neighborhood this part really since it's county has there's always been some kind of outside influence trying to exert um, power over the neighborhood of the people Now, right now in this country, we're experiencing a a heightened rise of white supremacist activity. Um, Just general acts of violence, and a lot of people attribute this to the election of Donald Trump to the U.S. presidency. Mm -hmm. While this type of activity is nothing particularly new new in the United States, in fact it's been going on since the founding of this country, Uh, the Trump administration is easily the friendliest and most hospitable administration in recent memory to the dangerous right-wing and white supremacist extremist groups in over a generation. Um, in an era where these violent groups build a mold that threaten and intimidate uh, communities of color, what actions have the Berets taken to strengthen and bolster security at events or really just in the, in the community in general um, to these renewed threats? Well,
2: one thing we like to tell our, our community is the only, the only way we can deal with these threats is if we organize ourselves. By organising ourselves, we need to be educated how to handle a situation when it comes to a a white supremacist, um, a Nazi, a Minuteman, and any other right-wing groups. Because, believe it or not, all those groups are named, they don't like each other, even though they're all against us. They're willing to put their sides to the side, their differences to the side to, to fight against us, only because our numbers outnumber them by millions. Yeah. And knowing that fact, we need to teach them the difference between these groups and how do we handle them. You know, how do you handle a white supremacist in your neighborhood? How do you handle a white supremacist in your local store? You know, we need to create these safe zones for ourselves because obviously they have their safe zones. They have their gated communities. Yeah, Why can't we? And, and the fact that their safe zones are now being questioned... Is their threat and that's why they threaten us to take away our safe zones. You know, our safe zones were brought up on moralities. They weren't bought up because, oh, they're gonna offer us more money here. Oh, this is cheaper to live here. No, we fought to be where we're at. We're still fighting to live where we're at now, even though we've been living there for years. Yeah. You know, and all these people that are so comfortable with their going at home, sitting in bed. Going to sleep Waking up the next day Have nothing to worry about But we can't sleep We can't even sleep In our own neighborhoods Because we're afraid That something tragic Is going to happen By these groups And so these groups To come in here And kind of va- Try to vandalize And destroy And dismantle What we created I mean You guys have already Done enough By taking our land yeah, yeah You guys already Done enough By stripping our identities Now you want to Come over here and stomp on our monuments just because your history is being corrected. And we're learning the truth behind the facts that were told as lies. And so when it comes to these groups, we, we have to know the differences and how to handle them. And, and um, one way to, to do that is community patrol. Excuse me, man. I didn't mean to and creating a team that can document all these faces and threats. and and put it as a news outlet to our neighborhood. That way everyone's aware of who's around because we need to have that village mentality. We need to know who's living next to us, what they're about, if they're for the cause or if they're just a bystander, Because they could be living right
1: next to us and we not not even know it. It's the insidiousness of white supremacy. It's... Everywhere yet nowhere, yep. right in your face, but always hit yeah so yeah, we've done a lot of security, you know, at a lot
3: of different events. You know, we've always done that. I mean, since day one, but still to this day. You know, the Black Lives Matter, uh, Women's March, um, aim, uh, aim, uh, the uh, the the event that they had up at Balboa Park after the the. New Zealand shooting Oh yeah You know the um, The uh, Islamic community Got together up there Oh yeah after the We opening. were there We were providing security And we actually had You know With, with some other uh, uh, Allies And there was a couple of White boys sitting there You know Talking about You know like Talking straight up Nazi shit and we we, we were, you know we caught wind of that. and We were able to go inform the the organizers of that. Yeah. So like you know a lot of stuff that people don't know. You know material things that we've done uh, to keep the community safe. I mean just here in Chicano Park, these brothers are here all the time, man. Oh, yeah. God knows how many things they prevented here. You know how many how, how much blood wasn't spilled, how many lives weren't taken. You know how many people didn't know D or something. You know what I mean? Like so you know as far as the as far as an organization. You know, we're not theoretical when it comes to that kind of stuff. Like, we actually get down. We get down. People yeah. know us for that. People request our help for that, you know.
2: And we teach other people. We work with other people, too. Just like when Trump got elected, you know, we, we didn't plan out on jumping into those demonstrations that you guys did downtown, you know. Yeah. We jumped into because we believe that's what needs to be done yeah. to fight back. You know, right when he got elected, shit broke off in downtown. Yeah. And Not many of us were there, but we showed up. You know, shit broke off in in, um, City Heights with police brutality. We were there and marched in unity with the organizations there fighting police brutality. When ICE came here in in, um, Logan, we set up a community defense, other apps, to start putting awareness and put out the public information of what they're doing, what what their threats are, and the damage they're doing to our family members. You know, in National City... A guy got deported In front of his children Right away We put a rapid response team Got other organizations involved And they protected that house For a few weeks Just to make sure That other um, houses nearby Weren't being raided Mm -hmm. You know It's all about Practicing what you preach Right and exactly
0: that. That agitation is in, in line with propaganda, right? Like, you know, a lot of people, they put all this, like, having the right line or the right idea is the most important thing. And, this, in, 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 you know, having good ideas, like, is not to be, like, rock, you know, knocked. But, like, at the end of the day, your ideas are only as valuable as what you do in the actual community, what, what your word is and what your deed is. And, like, that kind of brings me kind of to the segue about how a lot of there's like this liberal specifically like a neoliberal idea in politics about like respectability or civility that like in order to like engage with our enemy that we have to be as respectable as them, which I can safely say that I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident uh, that's not a, a thing here. But I just wanted to know how you all feel about that. Uh, police. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. <laughs> about this whole like, you know. Fuck the police. That, yeah, exactly. I just wanted to hear about people, how people feel about like... This whole idea that, like, our revolution yeah. or our movement needs to be respectable or civil. Uh, obviously, we have to be, like, you know, we don't want to turn you know, away from our own people. But this idea that we have to have bourgeois morality, that we have to, like, live up to the standard of our oppressor. No. Like, what do you all think about that? Like, That's not revolutionary.
2: That's not revolutionary. Right? Exactly. That's not liberation.
4: That's, like,
2: that's, that's, like, that's, that's um, reforming yeah. what's been oppressing you and, and continue to be hit by a wooden bat. Or a metal bat. Mm. So which one would you hit? But get hit by? Either way, you're going to get hit. Yeah. We'd rather not get hit. We'd rather create something from scratch. We believe yeah.
4: in self-determination.
2: Right. Strategically, too, it's just like,
3: you know, you, you if you go to the respectability politics way of doing things, you're fighting on their territory. You're fighting on their terms. You're right. fighting with their playbook. And you'll never win They got that game rigged as fuck You know what I mean There ain't no chance you're gonna go over there And outnice them to your liberation You know what I mean That ain't happening You have to get in there You have to agitate Because that's the only thing they give us You tell me one big major change in American society That wasn't preceded by disruption Mm -hmm. By people, you know, stopping traffic By people, you know, clashing in the streets You know, by roundups by the cops and stuff you know, it's always preceded any, you know, anything that we look back on our history and go, wow, that was an that was an improvement. You know, right. it's always contained that because that's oh, yeah. the only option they give us. You know, they never shown me one example of, you know, be respectable and oh, yeah, now we'll give you voting rights. Yeah. Right. You know, mm-hmm. oh, now we won't let you be a slave. Right. You know, <laughs> well, oh, OK, I'll be nice. And, you know, you'll treat me, you know, like a full human being instead of three fifths. No, nah, that should never happen. People oh, yeah. die. That, People that never
0: happen. You know what I mean? That's funny because like I remember teaching this with little kids because I worked as an in-class aide with like middle schoolers, right? And we would talk about Martin Luther King Jr. And there's a letter that he writes, right? Like he's from a Birmingham jail. He's like, in jail. And he's explaining to these, specifically, these white preachers and priests who are like, why are you putting your people in danger? Why are you doing this? Why are you protesting in the streets? And he acknowledges Martin Luther King Jr. in this in this uh, uh, letter that, like, no oppressor has ever given up rights to the oppressed, like, without force, without the use of force, in some sort of way. And in Martin Luther King Jr.'s way, that was taking the streets, that was shutting things down, right, and doing it in, 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 a, in a nonviolent way. But, like, as revolutionaries, we acknowledge that, like, sometimes, like, you have to, like, not sometimes, but all the time, you Need to have the mass action behind it. It can't just be like
2: talking about it. You have to actually be able to go out in the streets and do it. Uh, but I'm sorry, do you want to say this like, like you brought up Martin Luther King. We also got to remember he was also one of those people that say if you got slapped by one cheek, you should face the other. Malcolm, Malcolm yeah. X. Malcolm X said they lay a hound, you send him to the grave. Yeah, yeah exactly. and that's the difference between like you were mentioning liberalism and revolutionary. Yeah. So that, that is a good example. Oh yeah. And it, it is true that there is a difference between the action. And and as Brown Berets, our standpoint, it's always going to be for our people, not bending over backwards for other organizations that are not even willing to do the same for us. We put our our lives on the line for other people that wouldn't do the same for us, and we tell them straight up, we'll go to war with you. But when we pull that trigger, are you going to pull the trigger? And that's just revolutionary talk. Yeah. And when they start hesitating, well, that shows. Are you really about changing things or are you just trying to fix things for your own comfort Mm -hmm. right and we're not trying to do it for our own comfort we're doing it for everybody believe it or not yeah
0: National liberation is important, and that's something that a lot of people only pay lip service to, and that's something that I think will separate real revolutionaries from like these like faux revolutionaries that are doing it for like lifestyleism. But that kind of brings me to this this argument that sometimes we'll hear from like the, the radical centrists that are totally not fascist supporters, or uh, <laughs> or old, just outright fascists like Roger Ogden and these other haters who will like say that like these groups like the Black Panthers, the Brown Berets are like supremacist groups. Like they, oh, yeah, this they, park they, is.
4: Because the brown. Uh,
0: Right. KKK. It's
4: not even that. Yeah. When we say que viva la raza, it means everybody. The people. The people. It doesn't mean you have to be brown.
0: Right, and that's something that we want, I wanted to ask you, is like, how do you like, I mean, let me, let me I've worked with you a little bit, I know, I've seen it, like how, just we were at the March for Black Women just recently, right? Like, I've seen how you do it, but do you want to just explain to like the, the just listeners, how do you just like disprove that all the time just with your actions? Like how do you actually come out for these communities uh, that are outside of Logan Heights, or Barrio Logan, I mean to say, and just like everywhere? I mean. Well,
4: I, I see it as more that we need to unite those are our brothers and sisters, period. And we need to stand against our enemies together and united because if not, then what how, What are we going to do? What are we going to move forward with? Right. If we can't work together, then we can't really function or do anything. We can't organize. And we're better in numbers. And,
2: and historically, you got to remember, you know, this nation was brought upon by the same oppressors that did the same to them mm-hmm. they, they came here for a brand new beginning what they what they did is took their ideas and uh, monitored it to their way and and then here we are dealing with the same issues but to get to that that, uh, that question is when someone asks us for help we're gonna be there yes why not it's yeah. for a good cause mm-hmm. yeah and then if you're not if you question yourself being there in solidarity for a good cause then you must question where you stand for it as an activist or as anybody that considers themselves as a community-involved person. Because if you don't believe in solidarity or unity and you're all about your own race, you're no better than the oppressor. Yeah. You're no better than those that, that have been keeping us down. You know, we're, we're not trying to level up to our enemy. There's a reason why we're a unique, different type of movement, you know? And just because we represent Chicanos doesn't mean we're closed-minded, you know. this oppressions all over the world. Revolutions need to be done all over the world. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, ours has just been on hold for a long time, and it's being awakened. As we say, the sleeping giant it needs, yeah. needs to be reawakened. And that's something that, like, I know that, like, it's not, it's not a
0: but, like, uh, the actuality of revolution, right? Like, a lot of people, like, they, they think they talk about revolution like it's something that, like, just passively is going to happen, right? But, like, here, the conditions exist. We have, like, prison house of nations here, like, whole and, like, indigenous and just, like, national identities that are being suppressed. The same colonial force that's occupying, like, Sherman and, like, and, and occupying Southeast in general is the same force that's occupying, like, Barrio Logan, right? And so I think that speaks so much to, the, like, why you see this, like, Especially in San Diego Where there's like a strong This really strong Colonial military Kind of stuff going on uh, For like Us to come together And fight for each other's liberation Like uh, We have to do it Just out of survival But also Like We recognize that Like oh that oppressor is the same Whether that That neighborhood is like You know Three miles that way Or three miles the other way
1: So So To expand upon What you were saying uh, Intersectionality Between is very important. Black and Chicano communities, in many regards, face very similar struggles, from state violence, whether it be police brutality or immigration and custom authorities, uh, wrecking havoc in our communities. Um, Of course, and there's also the silent but nonetheless harmful effects of gentrification that displaces from our neighborhoods and our communities. Why do you think it's important to have solidarity between not just black and brown communities, but all struggling communities in this struggle for self-determination?
2: So it's only up to us to, to show that and and then you know there's there's going to be times where 50% of the people are going to be on your side There's 50% of the people are going to be against you and you know why? because they're used to that closure yeah. of not being involved and their comfortness and when when people get involved like Logan and other communities of San Diego Shou- um, Shouttown Southeast East Side, we we have to show that force because if one neighbor gets knocked down, the next one's gonna get knocked down. And then the next one. And then what's left? Apartments, big skyscrapers, and you can't even live there. So when it when it comes to other communities, it is very important, no, no matter what race is there and what's what the conditions are. And and um, it's very needed and when it comes to solidarity. Yeah. Because if the system isn't gonna help us, and we're the only ones helping each other. And they are neighbors, and that's the next in line for backup or reinforcement when it comes to the cause. Why not?
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. There's, we have way more in common with each other than we do with our oppressors. That's yeah, damn sure. We, we all bleed the same. We have the same organs. What makes us different is just because our cultural identities. You
3: know, and this a, a, a practical matter when it comes to revolution and winning. We need all those people. There's no way we could take on white supremacy. And, you know, 500 years of imperialism and colonialism just with us, absolutely no fucking way. Yeah. You know, so we can identify that common enemy with, with a broad spectrum of, of activist groups that are out there and disagree with them on a lot of different points, but have that one unifying idea that we all hate white supremacy, that we all want to see it snatched and obliterated, right? And and just use that as, as the common ground to uh, to build that solidarity and to work with each other, you know, with that simple understanding right there. Because there's no other way It's gonna it's, that we're going to win, yeah. you know. And we're out here to win. I mean, it's not like we're doing this for Jessup or for fun, you know. We, yeah. got, we have serious principles. We have serious uh, historical and, you know, uh, pretexts for why we do what we do and how what we believe you know what oh, I mean yeah. and and you got to be you know uh, realistic with the fact that you need all these other people that believe you know at least in that one thing that white supremacy needs to fucking die you yeah. know
2: up. And uh, another factor that I like to remind people, you know, it wasn't just Mexicans that fought the Mexican Revolution. The St. Patrick Battalion Mm -hmm. fought aside us for one reason, similarities and oppression. Yeah. Even though we came from different parts of the world. Yeah. And just that by that reminder, I mean, it shows you that it could be done once again. It didn't happen long ago. Oh, yeah. It could happen again.
0: And, and the Irish would also fight uh, alongside, like Simon Bolivar, in like say in Central South, in South America specifically. Yeah. I mean, so, Uh and it's like yeah, this intersectionality between like all of our movements has like is it historically relevant, you know. And people forget, I think, sometimes about that. Uh, but speaking of like what's relevant in today's society, right? Like the time that we're living in, we're seeing like a resurgence of like consciousness, right? People are like being more political. They're starting to get more involved. And there's this real need for militant organizations like the Brown Berets that are like starting to like, I think starting to be more actualized. Social media and people are getting more connected and getting more organized. So, just tell me, I want to hear your all's opinion as obviously Berets. Uh, why do you think the Brown Berets are just as important now as they were over 50 years ago? Like, why are you needed and why, why should more people come and join the Berets and, like, defend their community, take pride in their, in their cultural identity uh,
2: and, and preserve it? For one fact, believe it or not, most Chicanos don't know if someone in their family was a Beret. They fought for their, their rights They fought for them to be where they're at <laughs> and, and to know that, that The same oppressions that they faced That time of error Is still happening in a different way And now we're facing them So the fight hasn't finished The way we say if The Brown Braves are still existing Is because the fight is not over
4: It's never been and, over
2: And it hasn't ended. 500 years and we're still here Same with the Black Panthers They're still around because their fight's not over just like many other organizations are still around. And it is much important for us to carry that torch and to carry the, the, the requirements of what it, that torch stands for and and continue it for another decade, for another century, for another millennium. We have to continue Yeah. Because if we don't do it and we just let it die out, Man, we might as well let our all our traditions die yes. out. Yeah, and Who that's not going to happen. You are nobody without identity, and while identity, there is no culture.
4: And
2: a lot of people
0: are ashamed of their identity. A lot of people are ashamed to be called Chicano. And it has something to say about the, like, economic system, too, to a certain extent, that, like, our identities have been stripped from us by force, right? Like, that, like, the de-tribalization of this whole, like, area of the world, right, specifically, like, through, like, European colonialism, right, was to, like, better serve their extraction, to take from us, whether that be our labor, like, our literal bodies, like, our, our family, our elders, like, the work that they put in to build this place, or it's just the literal shit in the ground, the minerals, the natural resources, uh, but that's why, like you mentioned, it's a testament like, of us reclaiming that, that thing that was forcibly stripped from us. Uh, and I think that's actually going to lead perfectly into the next question that Rob has over
1: here. Internets, don't touch that dial. Step off radio, we'll be right back. But first, a couple messages from friends of the show.
4: what's happening step off magazine listeners quick break from the amazing content you've been listening to one more here from the IA podcast you may be asking yourself what is the IE podcast the aid is a local radio show where we interview up-and-coming artists creatives and anyone who would like to share the backstory about why they do the things that they do we dive deep into the life of the artist bringing in-depth interviews sharing stories in a raw and unfiltered format a true podcast focusing on the artist for the artist listen at IAPodcast.com and on all streaming platforms. On the iTunes app, search IAPodcast. On the YouTube app, type in IAPodcast. That is I-A-T-E Podcast, and we hope you enjoy. Alright, back to Step Off Magazine. Peace.
1: You brought up the importance of identity, which is so very important to our communities. It seems recently that there's just this trend to pretty much shit on anything related to Chicanos. Chicano studies, even the term itself. This past week, the National Mecha Organization not only voted to stop using the term Chicano, but changed the organization to exclude Aslan from the name itself. Now the Berets work very closely with with the local Mecha chapter. And for many young Chicanos, the org itself is an important stepping stone in one's journey of self-discovery and political awakening. Um, However, like I said, as of late, it seems that a trend of just, you know, just to dismantle these Chicano-centric organizations and just whitewash the fact that they are and always have been organizations created by and for the liberation and advancement of Chicanos. And essentially, they're declining them of the revolutionary, decidedly pro-Chicano stances and identities. Is this a trend that you guys have picked up on as well? Like... um, and if so, do you find like what are your thoughts on this troubling trend?
4: You I know, think have... Mecha has lost its identity itself. Mecha, I was a Mecha mm-hmm. in high school, and Mecha—how would I say this? I think Mecha is being infiltrated. How are you gonna? Ch- you can't change history. Uh-huh. You can't change your identity. I get that people have their different views and opinions, but. Just to go throw that away and say, like, no, we changed it. You can't do that. A lot of elders and people fought that organized and made those organizations. Did they give them the proper respect and ask them if they could change that? It's very disrespectful. And I'm really disappointed with Mitchell. Because it's a disrespect to our elders. People that fought here in this land, that fought for all these organizations, fought for the communities. So that's just my input out there.
2: And to let you guys know also much disrespect to the National Brown Berets the Aslan our Minister of Information founded Mecha and wrote some of the bylaws he was there he finalized the 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 plan the plan of Santa Pablo and many other plans to liberate Aslan and what it stands for he was the one that pushed the issue to represent the title Aslan now, you go to these modern mentor groups and ask them, what does Aslan mean? They can't answer that because they're not connected to what it stands for. They just want to join in and make it seem like it's some kind of new book club and wipe the title just because they don't understand what it means. And and to know that fact, then if you want to change the name, don't change the name. Go to a different organization. It's simple as that. Yeah, exactly. yes. You're talking about fighting gentrification. You just did gentrification to your own self. Yeah. So how are you going to stand for that and compromise yourself by doing that? That's a big contradiction. So they're the,
4: erasing their own identity, and it's
2: sad. And the irony it's being, the, the Metro chapter from Oregon was the one who...
0: Is the one who did it? Is like he's like from Oregon. From Oregon, though, wow. like yeah, that explains it,
4: a lot. But, but, left,
0: but I mean, yeah. like no no shame on Oregon, by the way, from anybody that maybe let's say from Oregon, but <laughs> but nonetheless,
3: like it was <laughs> they're just, pretty far from the border. That's what yeah. I'm saying. You you know that's what, what, I'm what I'm
4: saying. Moved. That's what makes they,
3: sense. They don't know. I guarantee people. you, anybody that's born and raised and yeah. still living in Oregon does not know what the fuck is going on just twenty minutes down yeah. from south of yeah. us right now. You know what I mean? They don't okay, understand shit about that, the, and you know, getting back to the, the whole Mecha thing, and you know, first, let's do with Chicano, okay? Yeah. What's the premise that they're using yeah. to say let's get rid of Chicano? That people are feeling excluded that unless you're uh, of Mexican descent, born in America, that you're not a Chicano. Now I don't know about you, man, but I, I was in Mecha in 1989 is when I first went to uh, uh, join Mecha in high school. And I was in Metro City College. It's been a lot of years in Metro, and never did I think that you know, for me, Chicanos were always people that were from this land, whether it be here, whether it be ten miles south, 20, a hundred, or a thousand. You know what I mean? Everybody to me was always Chicano, no matter where they came from. They might have a different accent, you know. Sometimes when they roll the, the tamales and, uh, and banana leaves, I kind of yeah. freak out. But you know, that's my favorite. That, that's that's the, you know that, that's what makes everything you know cool too. You know what I mean? So there may be elements that were in Macha that would treat people like that, but that's never been, in my opinion, kind of the the, the part of the DNA of the organization. Elements, yeah, but no, nah, everybody was welcome. You know. I don't think I don't think that that's uh, and I think that's how we understand Chicano, by the way, too. Yeah. When it comes to Aslan, we're not saying, okay, we're gonna be just like the like the colonizers and the imperialists, and we're gonna re-colonize this land, take it from the Kumiai and we're gonna call it Aslan. You know, that's the problem is that they have the thinking of the colonizer mm-hmm. when they're doing this. Yeah, they're thing. thinking that okay, this is what colonizers do. Mm-hmm. And they don't realize that we are anti-colonial. Yeah, we do the exact opposite. You know what I mean? It Comes down to it: if we're able to, you know, uh, establish, a, a, you know, a people's control of this, then you better believe the Kumyai are going to be at the very top, making the final decisions and the final calls on things. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, every event I've seen has always included the Kumyai exactly. here. In some Form of representation. And we have great connections with them, great bonds with them. You know, so you know, organizationally. That's never what the berets have really been about. You know, in, in a sense, we've always been about the land, but not taking it over and being an oppressor. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Re-establishing our connection yeah. through our, our, our historical context on our ancestors, you know, is, is how we feel about that. Yeah. And yeah. trying yeah. to make that connection, because most of us have lost that connection. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, the berets are a way to, you know, not only... Uh, fight for your community, but also to find out about yourself yeah, and, to, and to find where your people came from and what their traditions are and what their beliefs are and how you can make a connection to that. And you can start to have, you know, flip the script in that way, you know what I mean? Because you're no longer a colonizer if you know that you have ancestors that were from Turtle Island, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're not a colonizer. Even though if you have, you know, ancestry from, from Europe or somewhere else. The fact that you have that connection here—that's important. You know, we have to reconnect to that. You know what I mean? That's that's another way the parades. You know, kind of. Um, we have a lot of different connections out in the community. You know what I mean? I thought it was really interesting yeah. too—the whole Mecha
0: thing—that like it came down to the Chicano and Aslan, and not like, and not like the discussion on capitalism or Venezuela that was also on yeah. the agenda. That like rather than you know, debating like, oh, the role of capitalism and how much it harms our communities on every level. uh, Or the, you know, the US coup and the like suffering that's being done to millions of people in in, in Venezuela right now, uh, that it became like this kind of like woke politics um, <laughs> discussion about like a name change mm-hmm. Rather than like oh let's take a stance Nationally on some very important issues That like millions of people Nationwide are c- calling for an end to capitalism Millions of people are, are trying to Defy the US coup and sanction in, in Venezuela And so that the fact that that didn't get brought up In this big national event like Is really interesting to me um, But I'm sure like you know There'll be some,
2: some woke politic Olympian that will dispute me on that And, well, going back to the term Aslan as well, you know, a lot of people have many theories on it. But if you really knew what it meant, it meant the migration of birds. The migration that that when we saw those birds migrate, so did our people. Because it was time for us to move with the weather changes. So that title, Aslan, is just a connection we had with the land. It wasn't any final statement saying, this is Aslan. Screw all these other titles. It isn't like that. Because we know for a fact there's a lot of historical tribes that are here. Everywhere. You know? And, and it, 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 was, mine. it was just yeah, a region. Yeah. Aslan was just a region. It didn't mean that we were going to conquer the whole world and stamp in Aslan. No, it was a region that was taken from us. And that's why when we carry that name, we're representing that land that was stolen. That's, that's the simple bottom. In fact, what, what Islam stands for. And that's why we believe in them. We know it was stolen. Historically, we know. Mm-hmm. We know educationally they're not going to teach that. Just like they don't teach any other revolution to the straight point. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. his story. Not history. His story.
1: Precisely. Yeah, well, like even the famous Al Arista said that at the end of the state of mind, like you said, Mike... And it, to speak to that, I mean, it's, uh... you know, it's
3: it's a placeholder for where our ancestors came from. It's a way to go from being a colonized mind, you know, that's been brainwashed your whole life to, to you know, having an awakening and going, oh, shit, you know, I'm actually from here, you know. Uh, I've been told I'm illegal my whole life, and I don't belong here. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Actually, my people are from somewhere along this, you know, this hemisphere. So, you know, Aslan is kind of a placeholder, and it's a where it's a place that you could say you're from, until so you find out where you're really from. You know what I mean? And it's a way for us to, you know, to help guide people in that direction. Because, you know, if the, if, if we're gonna if we're gonna take take control, you know, with air quotes. We're not going to take control. We're going to give we're going to bring in every native population there is to say, how do we do this? Yeah. Cuz you're the custodians. You're the ones that have the knowledge. You're the ones that have, you know, thousands of years of generations deep on how to manage this land. Why would we come in and tell you what to do? Yeah. You know, let's get the fucking colonizer out of the way so you can get to the business of, you know, making it healthy and and good for all of us. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's how I see Islam, you know, and the, how they twist it and how they and again, this is this is what neo this is what liberals do. This is what neoliberals do. They'll twist things and pit natural enemies against each other with you know with these you know, it's the flavor of the week. You know what I mean? It's the, it, this week it's this, next week it's going to be something else. Last week it was it was Chicanex, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Or Latinex. Give me the fuck Okay, I- Chicanx, Like we can, we can debate that But Latinx, get the fuck out of here with that What is that, you know what I mean now, You think you're being revolutionary Identifying with Europe Right. And, and the Holy Roman Empire, what the hell's wrong with you? Right. You know what I mean? So, again, Aslan and Chicano are kind of those placeholders where, you know, if you're from a lot of different places, you could just say, hey, I'm a Chicano, and I'm I'm from Aslan, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and move on with your life, you know, and fight, have that as a unifying struggle. But if we have that as a unifying struggle, you know, part of our struggle, then we might actually be dangerous, you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. the people that are, that are pushing this kind of stuff, They're not out to make us dangerous. They're out to, you know, placate everybody's, you know, worst interpretation and worst fear. You know what I mean? I think there's some definite, legitimate uh, concerns that they have, for sure, Yeah. but this is not the way to, to, to deal with them, you yeah. know what I mean?
0: To me, it comes down to the ne- neoliberal idea of identity, that can be used, like, like I say, identity, like we described, can be a revolutionary thing, right? Absolutely. It can be used, it's pivotal for sometimes our national liberation, but on, in the hands of our neoliberal enemies, it can be twisted to create like these kind of conflicts and, and these kind of wedge issues within our organizations, uh, that if we're not like aware and about them, about like, okay, is this... Is the argument we should be happening, or should it, is it the like the coup in Venezuela and the in the role of capitalism that's also on this agenda, or the like you like you brought up the the impact of the word in like as a unifying role for a lot of just of our people right now, like the terms Aslan and like and, and Chicano are still used in our, like, our as a term of identity, so like to take this like privilege like. Third positionism of like, yeah. oh, I, we can we can afford to toss it aside. Uh, it's Basically, really interesting. Yeah, like,
4: who are you to think we are identity?
0: Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Uh, it's interesting stuff, though. Well, as the term Chicano too, it was a term brought up amongst our people. Yeah. It wasn't written in the dictionary.
4: No yeah. one's born a
2: Chicano. But I'm pretty really? sure if they read that dictionary, they'll believe that term, and that shows you the difference between where they're connected and who not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guarantee you, you know
3: all the people that. Started using the term Chicano on a regular basis. Were not born here and had parents just from Mexico. You know what I mean. So everybody that was there at the foundation of creating it lays claim to it. And all the places they came from. And guess what? They came from fucking everywhere. Yep. Mario Torero what, from Peru, right now. You know. I mean, come on, man. It, it, it's, it's ridiculous. And yeah, that's where, we, yeah. We're, I'm sorry. Where do we start
2: splitting hairs? And, and then uh, Chicano, you know, to the brown berets, is someone that wants to be involved with their community. Someone that wants to stand and defend their community and the fight for
1: self-determination. Yeah. It's powerful stuff. Now, switching gears a little bit, several weeks ago, uh, ABC10, which in the past has conducted less than satisfactory journalism on the community, reported <laughs> that a shooting had taken place inside Chicano Park, which, in fact, the shooting had taken place uh, a block down in the strip mall. What are your thoughts on local media and the reporting on Chicano Park and Barrio Logan? It seems that every chance they get, they try to tie back violence. Even if it's something that happens nowhere close to the park or the community, they try to somehow shoehorn it in there.
4: What do you expect from colonizers?
1: I mean,
2: when I hear media, all I hear is business. I don't hear... Um, reports of actual Issues that go on In our communities I mean Sometimes the news Focuses on little shit Like Oh what color Do you think this dress is Like who cares Yeah What the What, what All what, that what, blue and white What about the elders That are being abused And are being neglected What about All these people Are out in the streets And they have nowhere to go Or feed themselves What you about know?
4: their veterans That they're so highly Want help mm,
2: Right At one, Once or twice a year They'll yes. bring those up yeah, and, so, yeah. and so when When that shooting happened Which it didn't happen here, it did because I came here with a few others and we did our own investigation. And it happened, like you said, a few blocks up. The only reason why they stated that is because that's what they like doing is stereotyping and going with the stereotype. Because why? It makes money, yeah. it brings reviews, and it, it shows what what how powerful their word is over the peoples. Yeah. And and even for them to say that they even mentioned that. They arrested three brown berets that day. Yeah. Bullshit. The people they arrested were community members. Yeah. The people they targeted and came here when they thought, supposedly, it happened here were community people that were here for their ceremonial practice, of danza, Azteca. Mm-hmm. And so, even when that shooting came by, the cops used that as a prime, prime um, advantage, and and um, came over here and just ambushed the park. And they're supposed to be professionals that, that have their facts to the point, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't. Supposedly. We yeah. all know
4: media. Media is corrupted. and oh, yeah,
2: And since we're always yes. the ones, you know, Was regulating on when it comes to issues on the park, they don't like that. They don't like how the community stands up and fights back. So when the cops hear an issue going on around the area and it happens to be near Chicano Park, they're going to take advantage of that. You know why? Because they want to bring this park down. They want to bring back to they want it and take away what we made it is. Yeah. Yeah. They hate this
3: park, man. They hate because this. This, this represents liberated land. Yeah. You know what I mean? You you would show me another place in the United States of America that's like Chicano Park where it's it's full on liberated, you know what I mean? I got a little ways to go, but it's more liberated than just about any other place on the planet. Oh yeah. I mean? Or in, in, in United States territory. So They don't like that, you know what I mean? They're going to do anything to throw some stink on it. They're going to try to do whatever they can to twist the narrative and use... You know, the the apparatuses that they have at their disposal. It's, it's the reason why this is the United States, yellow journalism. Yeah. Started the Mexican American War. You oh, yeah. know what I mean? You think they're gonna quit? You think they're done? They're oh, no. not done until they get rid of us all, but we ain't going nowhere. You know yeah. what I mean? This is just the this latest. Is, this is the this is where it starts, Chicano Park. This is just the beginning point. Yeah. You know what I mean? You could try to throw the stink on it all you want, but we ain't going anywhere. You know what I mean? We just... know this is your game. We ain't falling for it. We could do our own investigations. We know what the hell's going on over here, and we could get the word out through our own outlets as well. You know what I mean? They might not get as many clicks or, you know, views, but you know, the word gets out. And that's that's part. That's half the work, right? Is building the mass mass
0: capacity of reaching our people, because the media as well as the police, right? These are all just vehicles of of the state's neo. Like this is all just the latest step in like the colonial project, right? Of occupying and dehumanizing people. Not only do you have the police out here who are killing and brutalizing people, dehumanizing them, but then you have the media that's doing their part, which is also like you know owned by capitalists and oftentimes like they take the word of the pigs, you know, uh, as like the word of God, basically. Like what the pigs say is like you know what's the truth, which is, all of us know, pigs lie. Like, all of us know that very clearly. Uh, and what we forget, right, is that this is the concerted effort of our colonizers, right, of our colonizers not only to oppress us physically, but to, like, basically trying to oppress us in the court of public opinion to, like, our communities be like, oh, that these people, that this park, or what it represents is a threat. Uh, now, we all know it's not, well, it is a threat, but a threat to the system. Um, they don't want to get, they have white privilege. Yeah. So, like, let's see. Oh yeah, so like specifically that event, right? They they said what they said in the news, right, about who they arrested or who they were messing with, and I know I saw personally the live stream about like how they were targeting people far away from the site of the shooting. Uh, do you think that like, you know, that that was like a political thing? That they were targeting specific people because of the role you play here, and like ultimately, I just kind of want to ask you, like, what do you? I, I'm pretty sure I already know, and as, I'm going to vibe with it already. Uh, but what do you think SDBD's role? policing
2: or just existing in this area is they're bitches um militarization occupation Mm -hmm. that's their role you know it's not to serve and protect it's to oppress and dismantle
4: profile
2: to racial profile anyone they see in sight because the real criminals that exist are the ones wearing badges oh hell yeah they're the
4: biggest game Why don't they have gang units patrolling them?
2: And since we're that force is willing to step up to them, they don't like it. And you know what? Anyone can do it. Not just the Brown Berets. Anyone can be a, a warrior for their people and fight oppression and stand up to law enforcement. Where does it say that you can't question law enforcement? Where does it say you can't question the safety of yourself? Yeah, the I feared for my life
0: is the response we hear every fucking time from cops. But what happens when I fear for my life when, when this dude who's like openly threatening me or whoever this cop, this pig is, uh, is like threatening to like put a bullet in my head if I, if I don't sit down on the sidewalk and have my sit on my hands, right? And there's like you know uh, the very you know real material reason, right? Like it's like well because of the law. The law isn't written for for me and you, right? The law is written to protect private property and the class that that upholds it, right? So the rich, the bourgeoisie, the class- It's to protect white privileged people. Exactly that. White privilege is like exactly tied into that. Uh, But that's like why I wanted to ask because you know, a lot of people, I've been to a few liberal things, you know, and they'll always be like, oh, like let's thank our police for what they do. And they don't recognize the role of the police, I think because of their class status, right? But like- you know, when you see like, I just wanted, that's why I wanted to ask you all because like, you can see it like the, the the role here, and I've personally seen it just in my time in here. Uh, it's no, it's a colonizing military militarized force. Like they don't, when they do get you know, get out of the car, right? It's just directly target somebody and harass them, right? Like they come with a mission, an objective. Like they're not interested in being community members because they're not. Like their whole purpose is to like oppress this community, not like serve it or like be a part of it. But, like big you know women, and
3: Like. Collectively, we've probably got thousands and thousands of hours that we've spent in this in this park, right? Yeah I don't think any one of us has ever seen a cop go over there and play basketball with some kids. That's you real. know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Not one time. You see those cute little videos, try to soften you up, but that's not what. Like you said, this is an occupation force. It's here for one purpose, that is to intimidate the people, to terrorize the people, to keep them subjugated, to keep them scared on their toes, to feeding that prison, to, school to prison pipeline. Oh yeah. You know, to get that free labor. That's what it's all about. You know what I mean? And this is a big source of that. This community provides, you know, free labor and and. You know, keeps that system pumping You know what I mean? Yeah But you want to know why it's an occupation force Just look at how they come in into this neighborhood Compared to how they do it in La Jolla Oh yeah, we saw like the rifles you know right saying? on this
0: bridge They, sh- they were
3: pointing rifles like, yeah. right off of like right here Right at all of us 500 people get together in La Jolla They were pointing here The cops them. over there got a booth, you know, handing yeah. out water <laughs> yeah. 500 people get together over here They got snipers up on the, on the bridge yeah. You know what I mean? And and these people enjoying the
1: park Basically in a community exactly. Peaceful self-defense Exactly You know it, what I mean Even on a smaller level It's just how they treat the park You see them They pull up here And park their cars on the grass Like you said You would see that shit in La Jolla Exactly man. They wouldn't yeah. be treating it like that Yeah and that's why, like, I guess, like, you know, what separates this occupying force from the,
0: like, the revolutionary force of the Brown Berets, right, is, like, how uh, you are treated and the impact on the community, right? Like, how do you feel? Like, what's the community's response to the work you do? Like, I mean, just from when we've been kicking it here, I've seen community members come up, hang out. You know, they people feel really comfortable with you all.
2: How do you feel the community's, you know, views you? I mean, it's, it's 50-50. You have some that agree with us and you have uh-huh. some that disagree with they us. They have other their own opinions. And, and rather that they agree with us or not, It's It doesn't It doesn't Stop us from what we need to do You Mm -hmm. know We're gonna do it regardless If you don't like us The reasons why Because we're taking you in While the oppressors won't Yeah You know And And um, Just Just like You know We see children look up to us every day And It's a good thing because Back then You used to see children look up to cops Yeah Now you see children getting killed by cops and that's, that's, I, that's, I would say, a big difference. And not only that, you know, we're recognized not only defending our people from police brutality, we give back to our community, oh, yeah. you know, in many ways. And I'm, I'm pretty sure we can talk about that a little bit later. And, and um, so it's, it's always 50-50, yeah. but majority of the time it is good. And the reason why is because we're not at it wrong. We're not over here trying to force people And believe in what yeah, we do we're, not we're, forcing. we're trying to show people how it can be done right? And how it should be done
4: That's up to you to liberate your mind
2: yeah. you know, we, There's people that have been rolled up by the cops Just across the street from
3: here Handcuffed, getting ready to get taken away Except we can't You know, they're just like, hey, this is just another day And we roll up and we're like, oh, fuck that Yeah. Step in between them, make a big stink You know what I mean Yeah. We had 20 cops cars sitting over here Two homeboys just sitting up against the wall. You know, twenty of us. Yeah. You know what I mean? What happened at the end of that? They let them go. Yeah. You know, and when when the people see that, because they know if we weren't there and we didn't do that, they know those motherfuckers would have a been taken around the corner, got an ass whooping. B, taken around the corner, got an ass whooping, and taken to jail. Yeah. Or just taken straight to jail. You know yeah. what I mean? Instead, you know, they're walking free now. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's because of direct action. when people talk about direct action, we're not talking about just, you know, hanging a banner off the side of a freeway. Yeah. We're talking about getting in between, you know, the cops and somebody they're trying to arrest uh, who haven't done anything.
0: Yeah.
3: You know what I mean? Because we have people over there that were catering with them when they were doing nothing. Yeah. But it's the gang injunction shit that they use, you know, this the way that they twist the law so that they can use, you know, that, you know they use the law to commit crime. They don't got no gang injunction problems over in La Jolla. It's all over here, you know what I yeah. mean? They didn't they didn't write that law, you know, to keep everybody safe. They wrote it to keep us oppressed. Right. You know what I mean? And to use it you know, just to pull people, snatch people off the street, just like the Nazis did. You know, just right. like the fascists do. You know what I mean? And
0: that, and that, in lies, I think the big, the big distinction that, like, you know, a lot of liberals and a lot of revolutionaries will, 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 have with each other, right, is that liberals will say that the system is broken, right? That it's like, oh, that it's operating just because of bad people in recent times. Whereas revolutionaries are like, no, it's operating this, this system right now, the way it is, it's operating as designed to oppress, exploit, and extract from our communities. Uh, it needs to be dismantled. Yeah, and it needs. That's exactly the reason why like exactly like you said it needs to be dismantled um, and that's but that's like you know and that takes a, a pretty that's a pretty tall order right like we're asking for for something like that it takes mass community involvement and a lot of our people like you kind of brought up aren't necessarily there yet but by doing the kind of work that you all were talking about like the direct action and also like we're gonna talk about uh, the toy drive and other kind of just different kinds of community involvement uh, I wanted to ask you like why do you think it's important to not only just do the direct action part but to do stuff like the toy drive like as we're sitting here I mean, I'm sitting at a table that you all just spent, like, hours scrubbing to make ready for Chicano Park Day. Like,
2: why do you think that work is important, too? Well, for one main part, this park was mainly always taken by taking care of by our people. And even though days have changed and city workers apparently work at this park, they don't take care of it. Yeah. So it's up to us to take care of our own. And when it comes to, to cleaning our communities, it's always going to be up to us to clean our communities. And when it comes to empowering our youth, the only thing that empowers our youth is what they see in TV. True. And and usually that empowerment misleads them to somewhere else, like behind bars. Yeah. And and so our our role in empowering our youth is showing that just by gathering a group of people, discussing, and making it happen shows you anything's possible. The toy drive. This is gonna be our seventh year going. It started off with just three hundred bucks and that four people and a couple kids. Yeah. Now it's grown into we're we're gathering, putting more effort and collecting money, finding other strategies to get donations and, and show these kids that just because they the system didn't do this for you, we're gonna do this for you. We right? need to get back to our we, we didn't grow up where things were given to us. We had to work for it. And this system has always put that amongst our people and you know you see all these other people that are living good and all that just because they obey the system and we do obey the system but we're still mistreated Yeah. and that's only because of what area you live in what salary you get paid with and it's like fuck if we're living from 9 to 5 just to get food on the table and I can't even buy myself uh, a car I can't even buy myself clothes right. Toilet paper A toothbrush And all this hygiene and sensors And
4: The living is so expensive here You can't You need more than two jobs I think now Right to yeah pay, To pay rent To feed your kids To have and, a car To pay gas And then can. Everything just adds
2: up And then oh. that's just coming from Like as an individual Living by themselves Like she mentioned Now when you have kids And all that How is that possible Oh yeah And then to to point out too is is that that toy drive every year we do it when we show these kids that we can give back we also let them know that you can do this Mm -hmm. just because I'm doing this doesn't mean you Mm can't you can do it within your own school your own community it doesn't matter and it doesn't have to be necessarily a toy drive you know we do scholarships for Women too, incarcerated women, incarcerated. single women, women that's always been supportive of their communities that but never been recognized. Tell us more about that.
1: How long have you guys been doing that? We
2: that's been going on for ten years now, you nice. know. And, and, and what's the name of that? Viva la mujer. The, yeah, viva la mujer. It's a scholarship that was founded by one of our chapters in San Fernando Valley, and the viva la mujer basically. Was an opportunity for somebody that lost hope in themselves because that opportunity was never given, and and um, that was run by Mari Madi Juarez. She she's a very good organizer, very dedicated. She I would consider her the mother of that creation of that event because her herself as a, a individual has been through it, like many others, and and so she felt like there's no one recognizing these women. It's time that we do that. Now, last year, I mean, this year was the ninth annual scholarship, but it's grown so big. There's there's four different topics of scholarships and even awards. So even if you didn't want to do anything, you were still being recognized Mm -hmm. for what you do in your community. And, and it was an opportunity if you've been incarcerated and you want to go to school, but you can't go to school because there's no way that you're going to make enough money because no child's willing to hire you. Yeah. That scholarship was that opportunity to give you that boost to make that step, to get you into that campus and make it happen.
4: How, I mean, how great is it, is it to go to that event and hear all these women's struggles that they've been through and to know that you're not alone? And their, their voices are being heard for that moment. You know what I mean? A lot of women don't get recognized. We don't have to be actresses. We don't have high positions to be to be um, recognized.
2: We don't and have city positions. We don't do have. That. We don't have
4: that city. Mm-hmm. So these women that are getting recognized, I think it's awesome because we need to recognize them more. The abuelitas that stay at home and take care of their grandkids—that's
0: labor. Yeah. That's, that's real that's labor. Yeah. Like people forget how valuable domestic labor, and specifically, yes. like that—that's one of the things that gets extracted from us under colonialism, right? Is that like not only is it like. Domestic labor from, like, from Mujeres in particular, but just like uh, the labor from our communities in particular that subsidizes the standard of living of the colonizer, right? Like, that, like, we're the people that work in their kitchens, we're the people that do all of this labor. It it's, it foggles the mind, you know, to just. We're the victims of their leisure. Yeah, that their leisure is subsidized literally off of the blood, sweat, and tears of some of our family members. Oh, the You Man. know
2: what? There is so. men that get recognized <laughs> also in this
4: event for women. Men do get recognized. Yes, men are also
2: recognized. And and it's... In a way, when we do all these events, we don't expect anything in return. And that's a huge difference that we tell people. We don't get paid for this. We do this because we love doing this. We do this because we believe in doing this. You know, it's... I grew up with none of these opportunities. And only because I was taught that there was no opportunity for me. Either you suck it up, obey the law get locked up or if you want to do good join the military
3: mm-hmm.
2: yep you know that's something that's been going on for 50 years with all these wars that have been going on and, and sadly enough some of us get sucked into it because oh, yeah. we rather take the easy way out yep and and so we show you know sometimes you just gotta fight back and these these events in a way are fighting back we're showing that, oh, you talk about you're here for us, but we don't see you do nothing. Yeah. And we're doing this for us, and we don't expect anything to be credited for or recognized for. We do it because it needs to be done. You know, you, you, you're supposed to bring hope to our people, and you only, you only like, destroy them. And we also have, a, besides the
4: movement here, we also have had, what, two community gatherings here? At Chicano Park, where we come together as organizations, we have our own booths. We have activities for the kids, prizes, but we also give back. We also feed everybody. It's no, it's free of charge.
0: Oh yeah, I've I've participated in those community gatherings and. What I think last time there was like, or one of the times there was a circuit, like a little circus, like a yes, band. Paint I saw face painting.
4: Yeah, paint I balloons. saw
0: kids uh, from the school where I worked actually there, and it's like, and that's exactly, well, uh, you know, the kind of things that you said, giving back and building that kind of network in the community, demonstrating uh, the things that you do rather than just like posting on Facebook about it, right? Yeah.
2: So, sometimes you bump into these people in the streets, and, oh it, and and even though you're not wearing a uniform and you're out doing your daily life, they're like, hey. I remember you. Yeah, you did this for me. Mm-hmm. How you been? And you know, you don't, you don't get that reaction just, just from anybody. So being recognized that in a way shows that that village bond. That, mm-hmm. Yeah, I
0: think it's really interesting too that like you had mentioned this like one of the, I think this is like the first time you've ever been interviewed right by anybody for like what the work you actually do. And you mentioned this is like I've heard the the numbers seventh year toy drive ninth year like for this like scholarship. I think it's just like really really interesting that like. You know, like, and telling, like I said, how we, how the media, the role of the media in this country, that they don't cover, like you said, the news, like, people that are doing work, like, in the community. Uh, they'll talk about, like you said, like, what color, you know, you should wear for the season or whatever, but not the hard work that, like, you mentioned is almost in its decade mm-hmm. being celebrated. Uh, very
1: interesting stuff. So, that's on you. So, kind of the bring it full circle, doing... You guys do so much stuff for the community, whether it's putting on charity events or doing security or just self-defense. Um, doing all this work presents all sorts of different obstacles. Uh, what kind of unique challenges do the Berets face organizing, facilitating self-determination to kind of people and just in broader in our broader respective communities? A lot of observing, mm-hmm. a lot of observing, learning,
2: analyzing, and the Braves are always learning. You know, as a as an activist and as a as a person that takes charge and involvement, you're always learning. You, you can never be, be ready for everything because there's always going to be that one thing that changes everything. And you got to have a plan A, B, C, and D all the way to Z just to make sure you're ready for everything. You know, February 3rd, it, it took some time to get, gather these people and then get them all on the same page. We even had some disagreements that... Oh that's not going to work listen. Or we can't do that And we're like Well You only say that Because you haven't done it And And so When When we Emphasize his work we, we take a lot of dedication And And sometimes we're just To be honest winging it Yeah And sometimes that's how it is you, you You can't be prepared for everything This This world isn't Made to prepare you It's It's to test you Yeah And and um, so we, as a Brown Berets, it's, we always go debriefing after event. What, what can be improved? What can mm-hmm. be done better? And, and how can we change it so it doesn't happen this way? Because there's been some events that were complete failures. We thought we, we managed to gather all these people and no one shows up. Mm-hmm. I feel it, yeah. And, and that's not a complete failure. It's just a life lesson learned.
4: It's a learning process. Uh, It's a growing process.
2: Yeah. And so when it it comes to these discussions that we have, it's always something new. But when it comes to issues, it's always something old. Mm -hmm. It's just new in the way of how we deal with it because it's not back in the 60s where you can gather up all our people and go out and have a full-on (laughs) right. Where nowadays we're... We got to figure out how how can we connect to the new generations now that are disconnected from the older generations. Yeah. And how can we make them understand that you're really connected to us, not knowing? Yeah. Yeah. So it it takes a lot of analyzing and, and debriefing to...
0: Yeah, you have to look at it like professionals, right? Yeah. Like, it, and we're not just like I think I have talked about this in the past with other organizers that I've had the opportunity to talk to, that it like you know an activist anyone can be an activist and just show up someplace, right? Like I yeah. can show up and hold a sign, or like you see some of these other groups, they'll come out and they'll like unfurl unfurl a banner or some shit and try to sell sell you a dollar <coughs> newspaper or some nonsense. Buy uh, a fucking giant baby. Yeah, <laughs> like,
3: oh, like,
0: <laughs> there we go. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's some radical shit Right there, there.
0: Uh, I don't, yeah, that's, that, know Yeah like, That's system shaking Yeah But, uh, but then but <laughs> The trembling But yeah that, The organizer right like, He's cute and all But like you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't What's it get you I
3: mean
0: <laughs> Yeah What is it really well, The materially For the community exactly. What's it get you, you know And I mean? a revolutionary I really respect One time said Right like There is no book On how to make revolution, revolution Right yeah. like yeah. You literally It's literally forged In the experience Of the masses That's <laughs> like You have to like Put it out there And sometimes you fail Right like I as an organizer have failed more times than I would probably care to admit. <laughs> like you know <laughs> um. But, like, in th- through that, like you said, like, through that process of failure, like, you, the dialectic, right, you grow from it. You're able to, like, analyze, like, oh, what went wrong? What do we have to do better? Uh, and that's something really important, I think, that, like, you know, a lot of people, they don't get from TV when they think about revolutionary work. They think of, like, I'm going to throw a brick through a Starbucks window or something, and that's that's my revolutionary act. Oh, a they,
1: they don't yeah. <laughs> They see all the Hollywood
2: shit.
0: Yeah, they don't think about, like, you know, scrubbing toilets or scrubbing floors or, like, you know, handing out flyers or helping somebody Beating load the a truck run for fucking
3: twelve hours straight. You yeah. know what I mean? Like running around, walking miles. You know, heightened heightened senses of security and like that's all exhausting shit, man. Like, oh yeah. You know, not to mention all the other practical stuff. Like you said, where we're here scraping. You know, yeah. Yeah, scraping tables right now. Yeah,
0: no one, no one, no one ever puts like, in the movie like a montage to scraping tables, right? Like, or like, or the the grill, the grill like the really just gruesome community work of walking like dozens of miles or running. I've seen the like the stoplight control that the Braves will do, which is like keeping the community safe and having to run miles, miles. And uh, so I mean, that's the kind of stuff that like I think uh, people oftentimes don't remember about organizing, specifically revolutionary organizing. Uh, how much love goes into it rather than just like it's not like you mentioned none of are getting paid to do this kind of work, right? It's like coming out of like hours that we would have to sell our labor just to survive. Uh, so it's I think it's something important to point out that like like I said anyone can wear, you know, bring a sign or unfurl a banner or it's like people pointing out fly a baby or something like that, you know? But like to like do that extra step of like scraping tables like of, of building a revolutionary movement. Going yeah. door
2: to door. Yeah you know no one does that. Oh yeah. And it's when you do it, you know it's it's a it's a life experience. Oh yeah. You get to see what 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 who your community is, who lives there, and how can you reach out to them? Yeah. Because there's there's many ways to catch someone's attention, and there's many ways to to understand someone in their way. Because when it when it comes to revolution, you talk. Not everybody understands the same exactly. strategy. Mm-hmm. Exactly that. Not everyone.
0: You know, no one—not everyone—has their experience in the academy, right? Like everyone holds up this like these like fancy ass like words, um, but it takes like actual doing it. Like when I was doing the walks in National City, like going out and just talking to people in their homes, right? Like in, in, in communities that oftentimes were just overlooked. No one walks these neighborhoods uh, because they don't see the votes as necessary, or like even just talk the conversations as necessary, right? Uh, but talking to people and seeing like those people who had never been involved in politics like all that conversation being like, you know what, I will come out to that rally. I will do something. That's the work that that's real revolutionary work Not the like Is this screaming mean? into a megaphone, you know, like screaming, anyone anyone could be that person screaming on the sidewalk on a oh, megaphone a But yeah. that person that has the tenacity and the discipline to walk door to door knock on doors and get the hate sometimes But also get the love from the community. That's a
3: whole different level. You know, it's, it's about living our, our principles you know what I mean? That's how can we go out there and say, okay, we want better neighborhoods if we're not willing to beautify our neighborhoods. You know what I mean? How can we go out there and say we want people, our people, to feel safe when they walk around at night if we're not out there willing to, you know, uh, to put our lives on the line for them? Right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, how can we say we believe in, in the First Amendment and free speech? You know, if we're not willing to go out there and fight for it and protect people from it, you know, what yeah. I mean? how can we say we hate white supremacy if we're not willing to go toe to toe, knuckle up with them motherfuckers, right. you know, and be the be on the front line when it comes to that battle? You know All what right. I mean? So that you know, how can we say that we want our, our kids to have a nice Christmas if we're not willing to go and get some get some toys and make sure that kids that aren't going to have a nice Christmas have a nice Christmas? Yeah. You know what I mean? it's it's that's that's the beauty about the Berets is that you know you hear a lot of talk from a lot of organizations and you hear all these principles and all these theoretical discussions, but the basics you know that we have down that we know we know what we're about you know what I mean it's not we know what our organization's really about and it's all these things that you see yeah you know what I mean it's not the the rumors or the the twisted uh, uh, opinion that that you know our enemies and people comedy. that don't like us have you know what I mean exactly you know it's that's not what it's about you know what I mean look at what we do and then you'll know who we are you right. know what I mean you can't say that about a lot of organizations
2: yeah. you know? or even simple we'll have a talk with us we'll I actually can. know what's up but you, yeah. you see, put some your some
3: ass people, to work too but some people, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we'll some talk people here. get a scraper let's talk scraper I don't think some talking.
4: people will come up to us just because I'm, like someone like Joey Gibson that was here and he was um, recording his self, his dumbass self.
0: Oh yeah. I oh, yeah say I it, that. Like all these
4: communists, communists people think that we're just these violent. No, we believe in self defense. <laughs> we will defend ourselves. Okay. We're not out here just to pillage and just kill and kick everybody's ass. No. I
2: mean, I remember my conversation. Well, a debate with him. I told, him, well, what do you think Mexicans come from? They, um, they, half they're descendants. <laughs> they're descendants from yeah. the Chinese. <laughs> Really? What? <laughs> that's Joey what he Gibson said. said Mexicans are descended from the Jap- Chinese. Chinese. And just yeah. because he was Japanese, it was all right. Yeah. Say. Joey Gibson also was too I scared was to Filipino. even get
0: close to the park, and I remember that. Like, and that's why he was freaking out because <laughs> there were literal communists. Like, I am a communist myself. And like, but this, like, that's the that's the thing. Everyone to these people is a communist. I mean, like yes. The rebreths, right, are like fighting for national self determination. Like. So like the ideology of, of the org is very different than like say the or, the ideology of my organization the party for socialism and liberation right like but to them we're all the same we're all just communists that are doing commie shit yeah mm-hmm. uh, but like that's it, not
4: where that misconstruction that misconstru comes with other people yeah. that don't know about it saucy- saucy-
0: they already have this yeah they don't know anything daughter, about yeah. the Brays, and they don't know anything about us they don't know anything about any of our ideologies besides that. Oh it threatens them And therefore they're scared
4: Or that dumbass girl That was with him over there when he got into it with with him Yeah I looked her up The Barbie rebel Whoever the fuck (laughs) that is
2: Yeah yeah, yeah. I mean They even pointed out A indigenous symbol That meant peace and love And compared it to what Hitler did Yeah yeah, yeah. That's what they were doing If if you can do that But you're not willing to come here And sit down and talk to us What that represents I don't know how ignorant you can be Joey Gibson's gonna be real upset when he learns about buffalo
0: wings that aren't real buffalo. Oh I'll
4: get my Jessica's. <laughs> yeah, right?
0: like, this dude's gonna be real upset when he realizes that things get, like he's gonna learn not, these are the, he's the same kind of He person. needs to figure out his identity. He's right. really lost. Yeah <laughs> he's on the wrong he's on the wrong kind of history. He knows what side he's on. He's on the he's on the side of uh, supporting colonial yep. authority. <laughs> mm-hmm. So
1: Don't go anywhere. Step up Ray will be right back. What up, Step Off Radio? This is Nate Witzel with SDLovesHipHop.com. If you vibe with Rob and the good folks here at Step Off Magazine, then chances are you'll love what's going on with the SD Loves Hip Hop podcast. It's available on all streaming platforms. We recently had San Diego's own Odessa Kane, Bay Area Spitter Locksmith, and 2018 SDMA Artist of the Year nominee Parker Edison on the podcast. Right now we have DJ Bar One, South Central MC Jag both on deck, Come and be a part of the conversation on hip-hop as a catalyst for change over at sdloveshiphop.com. Again, that's SD like San Diego, sdloveshiphop.com. Peace, love, and hip-hop.
0: You know, like, we've talked a little bit uh, about your role here in the park, but, like, you know, a lot of people would call you, like, a vanguard, you know, of the park. Like, you know, just, like, a vanguard of people. You come out, you defend the people, kind of, you know, ahead of where... A lot of people are at but then a lot of people when they see uh, you when they talk to, to the, you they get involved by in the struggle uh, like what do you think would you say that's an accurate thing do you guys, do you consider yourselves kind of like a vanguard of the of the people right like you come out and, yeah. and you help lead the people uh when the time comes we we Thank have you.
2: a we have a, a statement we lead when necessary Sorry, yep. but if the people have a goal we we take the people to their goal rather okay. it may be the good or bad thing is whatever happens is a learning experience Mm -hmm. so as brown berets we lead when the people have no lead but the people have a lead and then you know it's the best interest they all agree upon sometimes we have to go with that even if we don't agree. right yeah, we don't have that
4: colonial mind where we're going to do what we want to do no matter what the
0: hell you say. Yep. And that's the importance of centering the, your movement and specifically the organization where the masses are, right? Like, a lot of organizations, they try to separate themselves from the masses, right? Like, they try to act like, I know better than the, what the majority of these people who are making the movement do are know. Yeah, we're not
4: dictators. We yeah.
0: live by consensus. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, you know, we have to have, like, some sort of, like, uh, uh detente with each other, right? Like, we have mm-hmm. to be willing to work with each other. Um... But like you know, like as you said, like we have like a large variety of people in our communities, right? Elders, children. There's a lot of generational differences uh, that are just sometimes inevitable, right? So like, what 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 wisdom and insight do you all have when it comes to like bridging some of those gaps between like elders and the youth? Uh, Because you know there is continuity in our struggles. There's a shared struggle whether you're 80 years old or you're
2: eight years old, right? Like, uh, how do you all recommend bridging that gap? This is for all you youngsters Ask where, what does your last name mean Ask where your family originated from And learn about it Take pride in it Don't be ashamed of it just because you're born here Just because you're born here doesn't make you any different mm-hmm. from them We are all one people We are all the same You know, Our ancestors are our ancestors If we deny them, we deny ourselves mm-hmm. And if we deny ourselves Then we're, we're accepting this corruption That's happening to us And, and yet we're complaining about it so, to all you out there, you know, take pride in it. And also, when, if you want to get involved, get involved. There's organizations right. already out there. there. If you want to create a new one just because there's not one in your area, do it. But if there's one in your area and you can be involved with it, be involved. Don't be afraid to stand up for what's right and voice your opinion. If there's freedom of speech, take advantage of it, you know? As far as these these freedoms that we have I don't see them as freedoms (laughs) We're obligated to them That's us as human beings You know If we have the right to rebel Rebel If you have the right to question Question
0: Our rights are only as real as our Our ability to enforce them, right? Our ability to, like, literally, what what good is a human right on paper when that right is violated by the pigs anytime that I get pulled over or anytime they just want to fuck me? And it's always violated. Exactly. And I mean, and, and this is like, I guess, like, there's a lot of, we talked about the youth, we talked about the elders, but, like, specifically, right? the the women of our movements, right, the women in the movement are, like, incredibly important, like, and specifically in the roles of organization. I feel like a lot of time, there's a lot of erasure uh, that happens amongst, like, our, you know, enemies in the media that try to paint, like, that we have,
3: you know, machismo
0: or something, that women don't play a part in our movements. Why do you think it's important to, like, you know, emphasize that, like, si mujeres no hay revolución, right? Like, why, without women, there is no revolution, you know? I I agree.
4: I mean, Adelitas. I agree. Adelitas. I'm a... My name is Desiree, and I'm a brown beret de aslan, and I'm a soldada. And as a woman, and as a standpoint as a woman, I will say that I am treated equally, just as my comrades. I am a woman, yes, but we don't. Con- I don't consider. I consider myself just as equal as they are, and they treat me just as equal. There is no machismo. There is no that I'm better than you or I am higher than you. I am treated with respect. And a lot of the women around around us are also treated with respect. I can't talk about other organizations. I don't know how other people work. Yeah. But us as the Brown Braze Aslan, I can say as a woman that women are needed in this movement, and this revolution.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then as a Brown Braze Aslan, too, that when you wear that uniform, there is no gender role. No, there yeah. is no gender There role. is no gender role. Mm-mm. We believe a woman can pick up a rifle and shoot. We believe a woman is able to weaponize themselves and defend themselves, just like a man can. Oh yeah. Even against another man. So, to these other organizations that have issues, maybe the issue is your focus <laughs> on yourself so much, and you need to generalize what's the main purpose of your goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the advice I have: is if you're having this such I- issue of machismo, then maybe you need to question where your morality standpoints are. Yeah. And and take into consideration the brown berets of Aslan, when it comes to, to that is total mutual respect Thanks, and yes. understanding to one another when it comes to sexuality, religion, who you love and who you wanna be with. But we all put that aside when we come as brown berets, berets. because we are here as warriors for the movement. And when it comes to warriors, there is no sexuality.
0: Matthew, yeah. And that's like, you know, Something I think is like important, like to talk about a lot because you know, like without, there's a there's a movie I love very much, right, called Salt of the Earth that talks a little bit about like the, the liberation sure. of women, specifically how important uh, that like you know, specifically that a lot of times there's this impulse for men to step on the necks of women, right, because the like for specifically like in, in the colonial society, the colonist shits on us, right, the colonist tries to make us dehuman, and then there's this like pressure to like dehumanize others, right, and women's liberation in this movie specifically, the main character brings up. Oh like I don't want to step on anybody I want us all to rise up together And in that way like it really really just strikes That like You know through women's liberation we all are liberated And I think that's really awesome That like from what I've seen I've started to see more like Uh uh Like women, uh, com- like women comrades in the berets And I think that's a really really uh Uh telling that like yeah we made Women make up half of the half of our fucking world They're gonna make up I would say I- at least in my experience Disproportionately like Make up our movement uh I
2: mean sometimes a woman's willing to do what a man can oh i've seen it honestly and i
4: am willing to do and, that and
2: and, <laughs> and i have been a witness to that and a testimony to that and my message to my is if you're about it don't be free, be afraid to be about it oh yeah
0: oh yeah I can say personally, I have definitely benefited from the from the from the experience and like guidance and wisdom of like my my, my uh, women comrades. Uh, or I would not be the person I am today. Like literally, like getting into the organizing when I did, uh, helping me to combat some of the like stuff, a lot of the pitfalls that like you know liberals and like liberalism throws in our way. It's a testament. So like I guess like pivoting to
1: that, like do you want to yeah uh, get into like your guys' personal experience? Personally, what made you guys want to become Brown Berets? What was that catalyst?
4: Well, for me, I was in Mecha and I took Chicano studies when I first came to my high school. I loved it. And more, it came from a personal standpoint because my mom is Mexicana. Her mom came from Zacatecas, Mexico. She crossed here. And my mom's ashamed of her own brown skin. And I always thought that was wrong. And I would always tell her, you should be proud of your culture, you should be proud of who you are. But this colonization, this fascist system has broken my mother to make her hate herself, to make her want to be a white woman when she's not. And it came to the point where she didn't teach us Spanish. She didn't she was so she didn't want us to speak that way because she was so criminalized, especially when we went to Texas, we were coming back crossing the border back to California. There was some border patrol there. My dad is blonde hair and blue eyes. My mother is Mexicana, dark skin, but brown eyes. They didn't ask my dad for his ID. They asked her and made her get out of the car. Damn. I saw that as a little girl at eight or nine years old. So from that point, I don't talk to my mother for this because she didn't ever like that I was in Mecha. She never, But I knew what was right. Yeah. And yeah. I'm going to fight for that right, and I'm going to fight for my culture, and I'm going to fight for my children because what's going on is... It's been going on for years and years and years and years and then he's, ya yeah, basta, ya yeah. 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 yeah,
0: If not now, then when? If not
2: yes. us, then who? Mm-hmm. Now mine's kind of shocking. Yeah. From the way I've been talking, I didn't grow up like this. Um, you know, I, I grew up in the neighborhood, Shawtown, San Diego, California. And I thought the way society was, it was the way of life, mm-hmm. being part of the neighborhood. Being somebody, representing something, and um, always always doing what was best for myself, not thinking about others. And then growing up, I always had a, a strong family core because I had my um, me- Mexican culture and also I had my indigenous culture. I'm half Apache, Pasawayaki. It's a tribe that no one really hears of. I, me, myself, I can't find the history. I wish I could. But it's just one of those tribes that kind of died off, mm-hmm. and and I'm also Mexicano. I don't know what tribe from that, but I had the the, the cultures from the south and north. You can say of of, of the Americas. Yeah. And combined that together, I already had that strong solidarity when it came to believing what I stand for, and and um, what was right, even if if it didn't seem right. Yeah. And going through school always targeted always targeted because I hung out with the knuckleheads the homeboys the homegirls and I was always the one that that spoke up against the system educational system Uh, being targeted just because the way I dressed, my pants and shirts were baggier than usual kids and the way I talked was not the same usual way that they they can um, take from a a younger kid I was very mature at my age already fighting with adults and cops Mm -hmm. only because I've always been fighting all my life and it came to a point where I was framed for something I did it's something that really made it big in San Diego in 2015 at Correa Middle School I was framed for stealing $20,000 worth of items from that school which was false Um, I went through three years of court uh, a lot of disputes with my family My own father Turning against me Believing what the system said And told me I I deserved to be locked up Until I was 21 And maybe I would Became a, a changed man Someone better And I, I just grew hatred Hatred I hated our world I hated the system And And then I I needed something To take this hatred out And I knew me Going through my case And going back on the streets And doing something stupid Wasn't going to fix it Yeah So I tried something different I always loved Watching boxing I went to a boxing um, Gym Right here On Market Street ABC Boxing Gym It was a foundation Founded by Archie Moore And his father Which um, People would know him As the ancient one He was an original boxer Back in the day And he, he taught me discipline. He taught me how to, to take in my anger and turn it to something stronger with my punches. And it disciplined myself. I got into boxing for a while. And there came along a good friend I still know to this day, John Vasquez. And he, at the time, wasn't really there all the time. But the times he was, we would always joke around and... And it came to a point where we started talking about each other's standpoints on, on views and, po- and policy and, and political awareness. And I told him, well, I'm not very involved with politics, but I think it's all bullshit. Just knowing for a fact that I, I believe in my indigenous roots, even though from my Mexican side they try to enforce Catholicism, and it just yeah. I, I, I didn't connect to it. Yeah. Only for a fact that I knew that 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 religion came from another side of the world. Yeah. Right. Not this side of the world. And so I was never really religious in any way. But in a way, I did consider myself religious just because I believed in Mother Earth and Father Scott. And and from there, that day I bumped into him, we started talking, and he told me about the Brown Berets. And I told him, yeah, and I told him how I was being targeted. And for three years, I was going to court, being framed for the charges. I lost my friends. Yeah. Every cop that saw me was pulling me over just because I was on a case. and My picture popped up. But yet, um, some of them were dicks. They took advantage because even on one of the charges, they said I was a cop abuser. That I beat up four cops, two 400-pound cops that fucking smashed me (laughs) to the ground. And I was 15 years old. I was in shape. I was in boxing already. And they smashed me to the ground. And they said I beat them up. Right. Tasered me four times without any teacher... Vice principal, principal Or parental consent Right, yeah Or visual. They put me in the room With these officers Questioned me Try to frame me And when I told them You ain't gonna arrest me I know my rights They didn't like it Of course And yeah. I I know how to defend myself While laying a hand Or laying, hurting anybody Yeah their, their injuries were caused By their own actions Right Just because I knew How to deflect their move And make them hurt The other person they took it as, oh, all right, this guy's fighting back.
0: And that's what, even the most passive acts <laughs> like, of resistance, right, are exactly that. They, they yeah. throw it on
2: as, like, the, to the 10th degree, anything that they can throw on you. It's, so it's fucked up. So at that point, it clicked in my mind, like, my life is over. I'm going to jail. This is it. Time to go to the big house. And I was ready for it just because I thought that was life. You know, that was just the mentality, state of mind I had. There was no revolutionary input yeah, yeah, yeah. until I met Johnny and and he, um, he had told me about it we went to a few events I saw him at a few other events where the Brown Berets were there giving their awareness and their political speeches and they gave me a pamphlet I read the pamphlet I liked it I agreed with it and then a few months go by and it was a Chicano Park Day that same year and I decided to stick around Because I usually come to Chicano Park Day You know, I'll see the low riders, all the guys came to see half naked women mm-hmm. that was just the mentality then And and so when I got to the booth And I started seeing Johnny He introduced me to the unit commander Which is our prime uh, minister still David Rico One of the original Brown Berets mm-hmm. And still is Kicking it. And um I had a talk with him, and I told him what I was going through. you know the first thing he told me is like, "Believe it or not, brother, you are revolutionary to a point. Yeah you just don't know what revolutionary is yet. Mm-hmm. and I can see that, but that's not your fault because most mm-hmm. people aren't even taught what revolutionary is. Yeah. And when he told me that, I was confused like, what is this old man talking about revolution? Mm-hmm. What is this revolution that he's talking? about isn't that shit in movies, yeah. in textbooks. I thought that shit was over with already. Like, yeah, that's over with, but not our revolution. And when he told me that I started questioning, I sit there and I listen to him and and I spent like the rest of Chicano Park day instead of going around trying to chase tail, listening to history at a booth. And I I was fascinated. And even afterwards they're like, hey, you know what, we're gonna go to the Central in Balboa and have a, a Chicano Park too. And basically, it was a little kickback after Chicago Park Day. And they invited the public. And it was their first year doing it, so I wasn't that big. But I, I volunteered to do security. I had an injury on my hand. I had broken it twice. There mm-hmm. were some issues in my life. And so I was like, all right, why not? I got nothing to do. Can you guys give me a ride home? That's all I asked for. And he was like, yeah, we got you. Don't worry about it. All right, cool. Yeah. I go tag along. You know, there was a few, few drinks here and there, um, but I wasn't allowed any, of course, because they told me straight up, if you're not responsible, don't do it, and if we don't know you, um, we wouldn't suggest it either. Yeah. You know, the brown bird is two point. You know, you got to be responsible. You treat it as an adult. Yeah. And at that time, I was like, hey, yeah, you know what? I'm cool. I don't, I don't even want to drink anything. I wasn't a big time drinker. Yeah. I was more in smoking. Discipline yeah. is a so, big thing. So. Um, I understood that And that was my first Discipline thing Like You know Be sober Yeah, I can do that I, mean, I don't even have any issues With being sober mm-hmm. And And from there I got to meet Other members And talk to them And their history And I'm like Listening to each member And how they all connect And I'm like Are you guys sure You guys are not related <laughs> And they weren't It's just that How close a bond yeah. They had with each other yeah. And so I started Coming around Being involved and I loved it. I, I, I just grew this passion for it and, and I kept going, going and going and going. Every meeting, sat down, questions, wrote down notes. And I didn't even like doing that in school. Right. But at the same time, in school, I was a straight A student. Yeah. So it's not like I was doing bad either. Even with all that shit that happened to me, I was a straight A student still targeted. But I, saw, I felt like this is my opportunity step into a world And bring it back To my community To step for those That weren't Defended Yeah You know The Brown Berets Were re-sparking At that point So I didn't expect them I didn't even hold it against them Like where were you guys When I needed you Yeah Like you know what I see that you guys Are about I agree with it And we need to do Something about it I'm all in it for it Yeah I did my six months I um, I went to uh A well, it was in the event, demonstration in Munieta, where they were doing the the migrants from South America the first time. Not what happened just last year or the year before. So this is yeah. like 2014. Yeah, the first time. And, and when all that was going on and they were saying that there was all these Trump supporters and whatnot. Even though Trump wasn't elected at the time, I don't even think he had announced it. No, at but were yeah, yeah. it, it was in a way that they were already like supporting in what he did because he was already talking in a way not not publicly, but but These they were already inclined. Yeah, they were already inclined in what he, what his plan was, and and they would they, they, even, they even talked about Trump before we even knew about it, and we were like, what does Trump have to do with this? They did it, Back to the Future. And, 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 I, and, I, and that's why I tripped out. I was like, "What does Trump have to do? What's going on? He's not even yeah. running for presidency." And then I, I dealt with the, the Boston Tea Party, believe it or not, an organization, the Minuteman, and yeah. they're like, "Who is this guy?" And at my time, they're like, "I don't trust these people. I'ma cover my face. I wrapped a bandana." And all I felt was this hatred. This hatred of of just being there because I was in support of people I didn't even know from South America mm-hmm. just because I believe anyone deserves a chance. If it is the land of opportunity. Let it be a land of opportunity for everybody. And
4: they're You're human beings.
2: Yeah. I mean, they bleed the same. Yeah, yeah. And our people are just chasing our resources. That so You take yeah.
0: you take our labor and you take our shit from our ground. You go to, to like,
4: war and pillage their communities, their, yeah. their land, just for your guys' own resources.
0: Yeah, you expect us not to, like, follow our shit? Like, of course, our people are going to go where where our shit is going. Like, it's it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. I think it was really interesting what you said, just to throw in, like, specifically, like, like, the the how the berets kind of, like, intervened, right? Like, you felt... And that's kind of how I got into revolutionary politics at a certain point where I was, like, I was there, I was, like, seeing some shit and I was really angry. And then, like, they, they kind of came with a plan, right? Like, this is how we, you know, bring this, like, fight to our community to make it better. And it's like, you know like. You're, you you had said you felt political like the, some this person that told you Johnny that said that you would you were a revolutionary to a point. And it's because like you, to me it sounds like your entire life growing up right like at least like, in school and the educational system the state being criminalized right like yep. and I'm feeling that criminalization but not knowing necessarily where where the enemy where it's coming from right it's like it's just coming from the enemy the, uh, the uh, authority right yeah. Uh, and now, like, you know, like, finding that power, that strength, that ownership of, the, of like, revolutionary organizing, you know, like, uh, it's empowering, like, for my own self. But it sounds like for you, too, that, like, taking ownership of, like, I will make my community better, you know, uh, doing the things that I'm doing. That sounds really powerful. And I, I just wanted to say to both of you that I appreciate you sharing your experiences thus, thus far, you know. Yeah. I don't want to cut you off. I'm just saying, like, so far, I'm very much appreciating it because it's a testament to what the strength of our community, of real people. A lot of people say that you have to be, like, a superhuman, right? Like, that. Like people, when they look at us on YouTube or something, like, yeah. where they see us, they're like, oh, my God, I could never do that because, like... That's
4: you when must you're already be, putting limits
0: on yourself. Right. And, then, like, people are like, oh, like, you must be just some great, per this mythos, this mytho- myth- mythological standing of, like, you must just be a great person. And it sounds like all of us, like, all of us, I fucked up. Like we are people. Yeah. Yep. We are like have been like targeted, criminalized, or just faced some level of oppression in this country. In a way, we kind of accepted it at one point. Yeah, yeah. Right. No, I did too. I, I very much did. And it, but I think like hearing well, your I all never stories. Did. <laughs> I <got> it. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. In some in my, people, and within yeah. my own
4: family. I mean, my mom. If you would to go on her Facebook right now, she has "I stand with the flag," like, Ooh, the American flag. I feel it. Oh. Right
0: there. Yeah. I know. I feel it. Uh, and, that, and that's the struggle, though. Like, the struggle that even through opposition, right? Even sometimes within our own families, that like we are real people with real struggles that are still putting sometimes our lives at risk to do this. So I just remember, like, I know for a fact, like, there was that dude that almost got mopped up at the March for Black Women, but he tried to like, like pull out that little tiny knife or whatever. Oh, that right? was
4: with me. Yeah, yeah, that was like. He, he was making rounds. I saw him crossing the street. I saw a red hat. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was like, I want to see if it says Make America Great Again. I saw it, the Make America Great Again, me and Jesse went to see, um, Jesse went and said, you know, you got to get out of here. He was kind of, I'm just standing here. And I was like, you know what? No, you got to go. You know, this is a black woman's march. You know what you're wearing. Yeah, yeah. You know what the hat you have on right now. You know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah, yeah. You're trying to intimidate. You're trying to cause some kind of issues. You need to go. And he was like, well, this is my hood. And I was like, I don't give a fuck. This is your hood. This is our land. Like, you need to go.
0: Yeah.
4: And he came back around, he told me stop following him, that again this is my hood and, and, and I was just and then he pulled the knife out. Yeah. And right. I told him, I didn't get scared. I don't give a fuck if you got a knife for that dog because if that dog hits at me, I'm gonna kick your dog and then I'm gonna punch you in the face. <laughs> like
0: but I mean like to great threat like I said like you know we're real people and like you're a very real person you're a very real person like the fact that like you know none of us are like superheroes that like you know like we have to face the same thing like fear you know like uncertainty all of that stuff I just wanted to you know point that out like that like to me that your stories were really reinforce that to anyone that is listening to reinforce that like you can do this too yeah. right like we are all just regular ass folk that work that are trying to pay yeah. bills and that are trying to like raise like like I don't have any kids but I know people that are like my own like family
2: members that are just trying to survive.
4: Yeah, it's uh, re- every Everybody's trying to survive here, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: and and, and, and um, to pretty much end my summit is that. After being involved And get, getting more involved And, get, and then Right in there For my bravery That day In Murilleta I, I stood up against those guys I talked shit to them Got in their face Yeah And they, they, they were shocked uh, A young guy Willing to stand up Against all these Ex-veterans That are built And ready to pummel And smash Young and Innocent little kids That are coming with their families From South America Yeah Like no Like like, the, like they yeah. said on the news just because they don't understand English, they understand hate. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and they don't need to to be American to understand that. Yeah. And and um, it, it showed that day, and it, it it lightened this this fire in me like, all right, we do need to do something. Like I mentioned before, we do need to do something. And when it came home and we talked about it, and I was awarded. Right then and there, um, sergeant of youth. And I was like, for what? And he straight up told me, it's because I see you sticking around. I see you wanting and loving what you do. I don't see you saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to fuck up some white people and go home and at the end of the day. Like, Yeah, yeah that's not, not what it that's it about is. at all. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, exactly. It wasn't. It was like, no, nah, I went to go to fight the real enemy mm-hmm. and face our real oppressors. Rather, people think that their people are not. You know, if we're you, if people, then how come we're not treating other people equally? What gives you the right to treat someone else different just because we're born here? Yeah. I mean, yeah. and then me being Apache and Mexican, right I'm like, I never looked at anyone from from down south any different from anyone up here. You know, I come from two different cultures, and I'm combining the two. And when I took that standpoint and kept it pushing and pushing, and that's when Trump started being brought up more and it being announced, and I'm like... And then that's where I was really shitting myself Like I was really like Thinking and you know, I kind of Thought I shit myself but I didn't And I'm like fuck This shit's really happening You know they yep. brought up Trump And, and you know what, what The fuck he's, he's running for president And And I was like How would he how, how did he even know That was gonna happen It's because it was Three Three hundred years Of occupied planning. Yeah. Yeah. And we already been through the two hundred year mark. Yeah. Still another hundred years ago of occupation and militarization. And our whole thing, right, was like Trump is the symptom,
0: right? Capitalism is the disease. And uh, and our whole thing is socialism is the cure, right? That like like you that's how actually we met, right? Like that night yeah. was like as like the night after Trump's election. Uh and, like, that kind of galvanized a lot of people, too, right? Like, that, like, kind of spontaneous series of just, like, people taking the streets and saying, oh, fuck this. Enough is enough. Uh, and that now we're beat. kind of still here. we yeah. stuck around. We're trying to build this movement uh, to, like, you know, it was, like, anger is good. I was really angry a few years ago. Uh, but now that anger, like you said, like, the love for community is, is the better vehicle. And it's something, like, even Chase says very clearly, right, that love is at the heart of every, of every revolutionary. uh, uh and I think that's like Exactly what drives Like what you're Describing right now I'm, So sorry to keep Interrupting But I just have to Like I, just, no, I love it, what You're saying it, it's,
2: it's it's on point Like after that I just felt like I was obligated And then me Talking to my family About it Getting involved 50% agree 50% don't agree Yeah Just reasons why Because they don't I don't think the change is worth it they, have yeah.
4: that they think
2: everything mentality. is the way it is because it should be they conform to and, and believe it or not majority of that comes from my Mexican side of the family mm-hmm. my indigenous side of the family doesn't agree mm-hmm. but then they, they they don't know how to take that step of organizing and fighting back yeah and after talking to my grandfather which where I get my indigenous side from he told me believe it or not you have grandparents that fought for that part when I heard that Then I really felt I'm obligated to do this Not just because My family did it Because if they believed In it I should too Yeah And in my, I always believed In what my My ancestors said And my elders And the stories they tell me Even when it came to Family core You know We're family We stand as family And if we don't And if we fight each other Then there's something wrong And so I, I took that That core and history facts of myself personally and with the berets, combining together, and here I'm at now. You know, five years later. Yeah, that was just five years ago. Yeah, five <laughs> years later in the unit command.
0: And you I mean you could probably say it right, like that. That you think like, you know, you're going to be in it for another five years. Like, I mean, like at this point, like, I mean, I know how I feel about it. I'm I'm, I'm feeling.
2: I mean, you're probably feeling the same way. It's it's overwhelming, but the question is, and who's going to do it? So, therefore, we go. it's like, you know, until I feel like there's, there, there's a new time and place for a, a new leader. You know, the Brown Berets go by consensus. I can be voted out next year. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not a leader just because I made myself a leader. I made, I'm a leader because people believe I can lead them. Yeah. And if they believe in me, then I believe in them. Yeah. And then, like I say, if I'm going to lead you, follow me. Yeah. And if I hesitate, push me. Now, uh, if I betrayed, hold me accountable. Right. But if if I'm assassinated, I hope you avenge me. Right. And that's
0: like you know the real. That's the real. I think uh, thing about being a revolutionary organizer is that that knowledge, right? That like no one. Re- I don't. Let me put this way. I don't like positions of leadership, right? Like it's not something that really want you want one wants to do in a revolutionary organization. It's one that you're compelled to do. And that's the, I think the big distinction. Like a lot of like people, they feel like this this careers of an ego to want to be a leader. But, like, I think when you are one, when you are one in a revolutionary organization where there's, like, your people's lives, like, your own life are in danger sometimes. And like they're in your hands. Yeah, you recognize it, right? You recognize that, like, okay, I will do this as long as I am asked to by the people that I care about the most. And, like, I think that's noble. I just wanted to say, like, that's well, awesome yeah, we hear. were all
4: asked how we...
0: Yeah, they, felt they, about him <laughs> being the
4: commander or how if it was a yes or a no i mean we were all, all asked before he got that position we all yeah. had an opinion if uh, majority of us said no then it would he wouldn't be in his position yet. in right. reality
2: it only could take one no and yeah, he, it yeah. could only
4: yeah it could only take one no but you know what we all have confidence our chair um david rico has confidence our lieutenants our ministers us as our group here in san diego and we're going to have his back no matter what. We have each other's back. We're familia.
0: Yeah. You have my confidence, too. <laughs> like, that's for sure. Uh, and I, like I said, I n- know that, like, moving forward, like, I know that, like, there's always good things happening down here uh, and, and a lot of good work that's still to be done.
1: Um, are we going to do that uh, one or are we going to do this one? Um, so for people that want to join the berets how do they get in contact with you guys how does how does one go about for people that are young people that are eager to do something in their community that want to join you guys how
4: you need to contact mr eddie alvarez
1: right? well i do have a contact
2: number but i won't give it out on here cast, yeah. just for a fact that anybody could be listening yeah and if all. you really really uh, want to get involved there's other brown berets groups out there but ours is very unique when it comes to struggle and many of them are aware of Or involved with, with their history So you're going to be dealing with other groups out there But like the way we see it If you're going to be representing the Brown Berets represent it to the fullest in the way we would But if you're not
4: It's not a club well, either then, Don't think of it as a club. then
2: we're always around The <laughs> National Brown Berets Aslan are not going anywhere we're, we're staying here in San Diego
4: The city can take Park us out
2: Is our headquarters This yeah. is home base to us and we're always here Yeah We're casual people We hang out here In UCS, the park We do activities. Come up
4: to us Yeah Hang out Talk
2: So And another day We always set up Chicano Park Day We have a booth We have flyers And my my number's on there mm-hmm. But I won't hand you a flyer If you don't talk to me That's the thing I don't hand out flyers Just like that Yeah You know We want warriors That are committed Because anybody can say They're a brown beret But to be a mm-hmm. national Brown beret Aslan Really means something Yeah And yeah. you, anyone can get involved There's there is an age limit, though, but just because you're younger doesn't mean you can't be involved. Yeah, you know, the only age limit is requirement is seventeen and up. It's just because this is revolutionary act. Yeah. And when it comes
4: we, to things like that, we, with our toy driving stuff, yeah, we don't younger. believe
2: in putting our youth in at the front risk. line like that. At risk if they're not ready for. it. Yeah, You know in, in, in reality Revolutionaries And revolutions Had youth Involved But that's only because They had no choice But We're in a time Where we can make That choice for them And we're gonna do Something that Wasn't done In other revolutionaries Is listen to Those mistakes You know Our revolutionary Started Almost 100 years ago I don't know 50 years ago Maybe 70 years ago now And it's put on hold because there's a lot of mistakes that were taken and now we need to learn from historically and fix them Yeah. and so to anyone that wants to be involved with the Brown Berets don't be hesitant but understand it is a big responsibility it is not a social club yeah. like my comrade said it is real work real effort real commitment and like 17 and up you know even if you feel like you're too slow, we still need you. Every revolution involves everybody. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So with that said, what advice do you give the young people, young activists, organizers um, in today's political climate? Question everything, but also analyze everything.
2: And and also when you're involved, make sure and what you're getting yourself involved with Because you don't want to get yourself involved with With something That's not going to push forward In your efforts of liberation Or fighting oppression mm-hmm. Because some people like joining any random morgue mm-hmm. And they would come to realize They don't want to leave it Just because um, They're involved But how do they work from there? Yeah I mean sometimes people step out of orgs It happens Yeah and there's mean
4: everybody has sellouts, we have sellouts.
2: Yeah, yeah. The Brownbury's have our own sellouts and we deal with them in our own way. And and so, you know, question everything, analyze everything, but understand everything that you see in a textbook isn't everything you see in real life. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes mm-hmm. being out there in your community is the best thing to be involved. And talking to someone doesn't hurt. Even if it's your local homeless person. Oh, yeah. yeah. It doesn't hurt. <laughs> and don't
0: trust the pigs is always a good one. <laughs> yep.
2: And, you know, you like to say if there was only a few bad apples, then you need to do some picking. Right. Because, hey. honestly, you have been doing it for a long time, and that tree's starting to rot. Oh, yeah. So, for all you activists that believe that you're still hoping <coughs> law enforcement, you need to stop fooling yourself and wake up. Because law enforcement is not here to protect and serve you. You may be taught to trust them, but they're not taught to trust you. That's what they wanted to
4: instill in your minds that they're here to protect us. But like the judge had said in in the federal court
0: that
4: the police officers will protect and serve when you're in their custody. They have, They are not here to protect and serve you. Period.
0: Yeah. There's no obligation. There's and no
4: obligation to them to help to protect and serve you.
0: Yeah. And I love the I love the analogy of like the, the bad apples because I think they always forget that the kind of relationship that we reserve the right that if this bad a, if this bad apple tree keeps on producing bad apples to just chop that motherfucker down like exactly. right that like we will come and just
1: chop down your bad apple tree and well, just solve the problem. We but need
4: to chop off the immigration apple
1: tree too. That too. Well, the thing is that the the saying doesn't go just a few bad apples. It goes one bad. Apple. Spoils the bunch That too But that being said Do you want to
0: finish it Do you want to do the conclusion Can I say one more thing Yeah Yeah. All
4: I know is that Be that voice That no one else is That people think That they can't have Be that voice For your community For your people Because as a Brown beret de Aslan That's what got me to be Besides my mother Got me to be motivated Because I want to be That voice for someone That thinks that They don't have one You guys have a voice Use it
1: There we go with well, that said, you guys got any other closing comments or anything else you want to let our listeners know about the While Without struggle, there is no progress. Nice. Without progress, there is no struggle. That was said by Herman Baca.
2: And so understand that you're going to go through a long fight. Nothing's never going to be easy. And no matter what background you come from, there is hope for you. Rather, you're incarcerated. Rather, you're homeless. Or rather, you just feel like there's no hope in the world. There is always hope. You know Why? we still exist and if
1: we still exist so do you yeah. Eddie, Desiree Thank you so much for sitting down and talking to us about the Brown Berets today. We we appreciate it very much. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah, always a, a pleasure. Day. Always okay. a pleasure. <laughs> Anytime, you know, there's always going to be updates that we're going to have to And if
4: you up. Nazis right. listening, fuck you.
2: Yeah, yeah. I second that. Fuck and all the and all the fucking, like, haters,
0: oh, out, there. haters out there. To to you too, Roger. Yeah, especially <laughs> Roger. Fuck you, Gibson.
1: But <laughs> that's, we out. Yeah. <laughs> This episode of Step Off Radio is recorded at the Justice Center, San Diego, and our music was done by DJ Root. This has been a Step Off Magazine production.